Hey there, fellow watchers. It's that time of the week again, Born to Watch. I can't believe it's taken 87 episodes to get to a Quentin Tarantino movie, but we're here. A movie that changed cinema from the moment it was released. Pulp Fiction and the year 1994 had a profound effect on my love of movies and changed the way I thought about film forever. Released in May of 94 at the Cannes Film Festival, it blew the world away and we had to wait until November 24 of that year to see it. I can't remember a movie that carried more expectations than Pulp Fiction. It just doesn't happen anymore. After a full six months of hype and global releases, when I walked into that theatre to see it, I was nervous for what laid ahead. Let's head to Jackrabbit Slims and do the twist. And joining me is the G-Man. Good evening, everyone. Have we not done Quentin Tarantino? We've talked about him enough. This is our first wow. QT. Well, looking forward to dissecting this one. What a what a uh, a good rewatch. Two and a half hours. Yeah, it's definitely a commitment. There is no doubt. And up there on the land, joining us two in a row, he looks peaked already. Uh, Dan, how are you, mate? You're a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good start. That was early, even for you. <laughs> now, our special guest has just absolutely lost his shit here on the casting couch. Smog, Smog's is gone. <laughs> Do you wish to elaborate, Daniel? Is that it for you? We just we just serve up a little dish of Cannes Film Festival. My juvenile brain just can't go past that. I'm sorry. Fair enough. Okay, excellent. Welcome, Daniel. It's great having you. Uh, joining us all the way from New Zealand and sitting with us here on the casting couch, where he's at his most comfortable, Strangles. <laughs> How are you, mate? I'm good. Why do you sell? Mate, it's great to have you here. Oh, look, it's wonderful to be here. What an honour, as usual. Um, yeah, look, looking forward to having a look at this movie. Um, I'm going to premature adulate and say it's already my favourite movie in the world. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Early on. Early on. <laughs> yeah. No, fair enough. Too. Have you done one of these before, Strangles? Is this your first go? Um, um, I did the good, out. the bad, and the ugly with the um, the Hobbit one. Older oh, right. He had a lick out dialing thing going there for a yeah, while where yeah. he'd uh, he'd, yeah, he'd scour around for uh, for lick outs. Yeah, that's good. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I had to do that because, you know, one of my co hosts decided that he it was too much work for him to be with us every week. <laughs> hey, hang on. We'll him across the bed. <laughs> He's a primary producer. He's got plenty to do on the land. Fuck a duck. <laughs> He produces a hell of a lot of bullshit. That's what he produces. Anyway, look, uh, look, a great movie out in 1994, 29 years old. It's a difficult one, this overs and unders, because it's a long movie, so it's probably one that people don't return to all the time. But I'm going to set the overs and unders here at 25. Now, we don't have Damo with us today to throw out a one or a two. <laughs> we'll start with our guest. you reckon Damo's number is? I reckon Damo's number for this would be two. Wow. He doesn't like this movie. I was going to say, is that the num is that a number of times he's watched it or he's rating? He doesn't like this movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> it has another hangover thing here. Comics. Yeah, he's he's an odd he's an odd bod. That is for sure. Strangles. 
Over or under 25 viewings for Pulp Fiction for you? I am well over. Um, I'm at least 40, I reckon. Okay. I tried to work it out. Um, the first 20 times, well, first time was in the cinema, stoned, and the next 19 times, stoned. <laughs> uh, and then post that, uh, I've watched it sober since then. So, but, but I was a young, you know, I was 19 years old when it came out. So, you know, uh, yeah, so I was stoned a lot. Okay, excellent, excellent. Uh, Daniel, what about you? This this is a very, this is a very Morgs movie. Uh, you introduced me to Quentin Tarantino. So, what about Pulp? For the for the first time, I can actually remember where I saw this for the first time, and it was on video cassette. I had a a um, a dodgy copy before it was released in Australia in the cinema. Because remember, there used to be that lag where the the Yanks would see everything about six months before we would in the uh, in the cinemas. And I, I was working at Manly Leagues Club uh, at university and I, a, a barman there gave me a VHS dodgy-ass copy of this and we watched it on the tick many, many, many times before you went and, uh, and, and saw it at the cinema. I don't know that I came with you to see it at the cinema, did I? No, this was a solo um, viewing for me first time. You were... Yeah, you were you were by yourself, but I yeah to, to long winded answer. I would have seen it twenty five times on VHS in nineteen ninety four. So yeah, I'm way 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 over. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, G man, what about you? Oh look, I think I'd be around the twenty five mark. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many beers have you had tonight, Dan? <laughs> You're being extremely insolent. What a fuck with. <laughs> um, no, I reckon I'm close to the knocker. Maybe, maybe twenty, maybe thirty times. Uh, it's something we watched a lot, as we've said when we were younger, a heap of times on repeat. I watched this again today, and I haven't seen it for so long. I yeah, can't remember the last time I watched it, but yeah, definitely, definitely, maybe twenty-five to thirty times, I'd say. Okay, look, I am well in excess of twenty-five times. I'm going to say north of fifty, I'd say, and probably well north of fifty. Whether it's a whole viewing or parts thereof, it's a movie that you can just watch one section of it, and that can suffice you. Uh, obviously. There are many great chapters to this film, and obviously, Morgs, I'm sure, for film school, you'll talk a little about the non-linear storytelling, but that actually adds to being able to pick the movie up wherever you want, and I think makes it so much easier to re-watch, especially if you're just going to watch, you know, a part of it, but well north of 50. Hey, uh, can, I, can I ask a question, and maybe I'm ruining your question time, Whitey, but <laughs> what rewatching this, is this one of the most quoted movies by us of all time? Yeah, it blew me away uh, about how, like, the one that rings in my ears is let's not go sucking each other's big <laughs> yes, shit. I had that. I, and yeah. that is, like, one of the, and when he said that, I just lost my shit. Yep. Because it is yep. still today is used a lot by us. And uh, just, but there's, and I'm, I know Strangles and I were talking about it before the, before the show, that there's just a lot of small, very quiet quotes that are yep. just so quotable in the every one, day life. The one that I remember that made me laugh out loud is... Something that Morg says every time I see him. You can do it the most. <laughs> every single yeah. time. Well, yeah. I forgot that was in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and that's, I think, that's, that's the beauty of this movie, that there is so much in it that you forget there's stuff in it. And I yeah. think every time you watch it, you can pick something up new. I remember seeing it in the cinema for the first time. I, I went on my own, first session, 
uh, first uh, first day it was out, and I remember going in there and sitting in a cinema with not many people. And when that when the music comes on and it's playing the credits and it's um, playing like Jungle Book, yeah, and it's at the start of the movie, and then it changes the radio changes. I was looking up at the speakers, going, "What the fuck is going wrong here? <laughs> the sound is shit here." And then and then it, and then it jigged like twenty seconds later. Oh, it's the radio. Right? And and I love that just he does that a lot through all these movies. He uses the radio really well. And I love that you cut from that sound to then it's Jimmy and Jules talking and that song's still playing under the under the under the talk, under the dialogue. It's really he's so fucking good. Yeah, and you do that in the soundtrack too. Uh, you're listening to the song and then they do the radio bit, then again yeah. another song. It was so good. Well the, the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack really set that up. Yeah. That's one of the greatest soundtracks where actually the tracks on the C D were, you know, K Billy and the Sweet Sounds or yeah. whatever, and it was just him talking, which is unreal. Yeah, the Michael Madsen dance. Oh. You know, he does the little the little dance when he's about to cut the guy's ear off. Yeah, it's cringe. All time. All right, well let's slip in to the trailer. Miramax Films is proud to present one of the most celebrated motion pictures of the year. The winner of the 1994 Palme d'Or. The best picture of the Cannes Film Festival. Come on, let's get in character. I'm so interested in big man's life. Well, he's going out of town, I'm sorry, and he asked me if I take care of him while he's gone. Take care of him? No, man. Just make sure it's a good time, make sure she don't get lonely. Girl. You see, this is a moral test of oneself. I do believe Marcel, as my husband, your boss, told you to take me out and do whatever I wanted. I love you so much, can't count on you. You can maintain loyalty. Night of the fight, you may feel a slight sting. Pride only hurts, it never helps. In the fifth, your ass goes down. I have to say, play with matches, you get burned. We should have shot guys with this kind of deal. We're in a lot of danger, aren't we? I'm prepared to scout the earth for that night. Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? Get down, get down. You got a corpse in a car, minus a head in a garage. Take me to it. Don't you hate that? Hate what? Uncomfortable silences. John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Uma Thurman, Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Amanda Plummer, Maria de Medeiros, Bing Rings. Eric Stoltz, Rosanna Arquette, Christopher Walker, and Bruce Willis. Looking at something, friend? Ain't my friend looking. Die, you mother! A new film directed by Quentin Tarantino. Pulp Fiction. You really thinking about quitting? Most definitely. What's she gonna do then? Basically, I'm just gonna walk the earth. What you mean, walk the earth? You know, like Kane in Kung Fu. Uh, another cracking trailer, uh, Quentin Tarantino, just all over it. Uh, one of the great trailers. Doesn't give away too much. What do you reckon, Strangles? Absolutely agree. Yeah, excellent. Well done. <laughs> uh, now, G-Man, why don't you tell us a little bit about Pulp Fiction? 
Okay. Oh, did you tell did you tell G that you did his part in uh, Wilson? I was waiting. I was waiting for him to listen to the Breakfast Club so that he could see how things were done a little differently in his parts. I'll just paraphrase it for you, Gal. It's kind of like, Gal, no, did this part. It's fucking shit. I'm going to be in five words. And we're out. <laughs> it was not to that extent, but he's not 100% wrong either. Yeah, fair enough. I'm, I'm glad I was I'm missed. No, you were sorely missed. You were sorely missed. All right. Jules Winfield and Vincent Vega are two hitmen who are out to retrieve a suitcase stolen from their employer, mob boss Marcellus Wallace. Wallace has also asked Vincent to take his wife Mia out when he's out of town. Butch Coolidge is an aging boxer who is paid by Wallace to lose his fight. The lives of these seemingly unrelated people are woven together, comprising a series of funny, bizarre, and uncalled for adventures. Yeah, like it. There you go. That's pretty good. Yeah. It doesn't give much away. It doesn't give much away at all. Well, it only really wait. talks about two people in the whole loop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, well really, it follows the. the, the the storyline of Jules and Vincent and Butch Coolidge. Yeah, they are the, the main. Three, they are the main. The three main interwoven characters. They are. Well done, G-Man. Uh, sorely missed. Welcome back. <laughs> Critical thinking. Okay, IMDb has Pulp Fiction rated 8.9 out of 10 and ranks number eight in the IMDb Top 250. Certified fresh, 92% on the tomato meter and a 96% audience score. Shit. It's probably one of the best rated and reviewed movies on either of those platforms. Yeah, geez, 96%. How about that? Oh, mate, if only we knew what it fucking meant. Oh, that's huge. <laughs> huge stuff. Yeah. So bloody should be. Absolutely. A couple of reviews. Uh, got a, a good review here from Mick LaSalle from San Francisco Chronicle. It's the movie equivalent of that rare sort of novel where you find yourself checking to see how many pages are left and hoping there are more, not fewer. Yeah, nice. Is he Eric LaSalle's brother? <laughs> yes, I think he is. I think he is. He got to What? Soul drawn. I've never heard of that. Coming to America. Coming to America. Eric LaSalle, oh, you know, with okay. the hair. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. Come on, mate. Oh, you might have preferred him in ER, Strills. Yeah. Oh, ER was the worst. Mm. Oh, did you, you may not have noticed it's pretty subtle, but I'd like to write something in my name description, and this was for you tonight, um, uh, Strangles, yeah. in, uh, in honour of all the Kiwi chicks I've ever met. <laughs> Hang on, Adam is married to a Kiwi chick, so he's devil. I was going to say, that's how I met my wife, so, you know. Knocked her on the head. She still hasn't woken up. <laughs> Two kids and 23 years later, oh, she's still, she's she still in a coma. Yeah. She- <laughs> That's another movie. That's Kill Bill. Oh, they can't win. Okay, bad review. Adam Mars Jones of the Independent UK. Reservoir Dogs still looks like the great American film of the decade, but Quentin Tarantino's second film as writer-director shows him already deep in the territory of self-parody. What? Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Thoughts, Adam? D- deep in the territory of self-parody? Parody? I don't, I don't think there's... I think he's... I don't think there's, there's any parody in this movie. I don't think so either. Anyway, <laughs> I think that Adam Mars Jones had a bit of a cross cross to bear with with Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, there's the hyphenators. They're always fuckwits. Yeah, they are. They are. Maybe it's a 
brother of Mikmas and then got married. They had to take someone else's name. Married, married Marion Jones. Yeah. Married Marion Jones. Too many Persians. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, G-Man. Ordinary people. Take it away. Or is this the bit where we have to rush through? No. Oh, that was the last bit. No, you don't have to rush. There was nothing rushing. Get down, down. <laughs> All right, let's go. We will keep this brief because there is quite an ensemble cast in this movie, and we've we've uh, hit a lot of these people recently. We've we've got John Travolta first up, who we talked about. How long ago was that? Not long ago. What what movie did we talk about him in? Greece, Greece, yeah, Greece, Greece. yeah. When we did Greece, yeah, he was actually that was his first. Uh, that was his first stage show in Greece. Um, obviously, one of his major roles. He's, he did Emergency. He was in Emergency on his first TV uh, roles. And, of course, welcome back, Cutter, Mr. Oh, Cutter. Of course. Um, Saturday Night Fever, he was Best Leading Actor nominee. A um, bit of a lean run through the 80s. He did Look Who's Talking, obviously, and then Pulp Fiction was a Best Leading Actor nominee, Oscar and BAFTA. Uh, did get Shorty, Broken Arrow. There's a ton there. Battlefield Earth, another highlight. <laughs> oh, absolute, yeah, absolute highlight. Be Cool, which wasn't a bad movie, and uh, most recently in Gotti. Now, this role of Vincent Vega, he got the role primarily because Michael Madsen had to turn it down. And Michael Madsen was committed to doing Wyatt Earp and couldn't get out of the contract. Uh, but he was actually going to play his twin brother. So Vincent Vega was the twin brother of Vic Vega from Reservoir Dogs. Ah. Well, there was the talk for a long time about being the Vega Brothers movie. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Which would have been fucking incredible, yeah. except they were too old to play a prequel. Yeah, that's right. They couldn't go back. <laughs> and and Michael Madsen looks a million in Kill Bill, so you can understand that. Oh, yeah. Um, but look, and, uh, a few sliding doors here. Daniel Day-Lewis wanted the role of Vincent Vega, but Quentin Tarantino turned him down. Yeah, I, I reckon that's a really good move. Yeah, agreed. Yep, James Gandolfini was considered for the role, but he actually suggested John Travolta for it as well. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's one. Of, I think it's one of these roles where it's very difficult to envision anyone other than John Travolta playing it now. He did such a good fuck. Like, what an absolute masterstroke from Quentin Tarantino, pulling this guy from Look Who's Talking and making him this lovable hitman. Yeah, who look, just wants to take a shit. <laughs> he doesn't mind. He doesn't mind, does he? No, he takes three shits. Yeah. And it really brings him undone. <laughs> not we'll not get not to that. We'll get to that in question time. Who leaves, the, who leaves their gun outside the shitter? We'll get to exactly oh. that in question time, G-Man. Okay, moving on. Samuel L. Jackson, hold on to your butts. Uh, we talked about Samuel not long ago in, in uh, Jurassic Park, but he didn't do his, have his first major role till he was 40. He's done it uh, right since then. Yeah, he's, oh, he's had he's done something like three or four, average three or four movies a year since that. Something crazy along those lines. Yeah, he's fucking incredible. But yeah, early roles in Coming to America as the Hold Up Man, which we've already covered. Goodfellas, he was Sticks Edwards. Uh, obviously, Jurassic Park, as we said, he's in True Romance. And then got this role where he got a Best Supporting Actor nom and he was a BAFTA winner for this role. And he okay. he does nail this role. It's like, it's particularly that, that first... The first scene and the last scene. Can someone explain to me how he did not win an Academy Award? Oh, he should have. He was absolutely awesome in this. Absolutely. You know he's never won an Academy Award? No. Samuel Jackson? Uh, he got a BAFTA. Yeah, but he must have, must have gone close to snakes on a plane, surely. <laughs> Get these motherfucking snakes off this motherfucking plane. How good. I mean, nuts. No, I've got to say, the only, right the, the only other role, I reckon he, he should have won... It, it, only other opportunity, really, and this has been serious, Stephen in Django. 
Oh, he was good. Yeah. He is freaking amazing in that role. Yeah, he's good. I was watching so good. just the other day. It was on, yeah. on recently. On so good. But look, best supporting out there was Martin Landau in Ed Wood. That's it. That's who yeah. beat him out. That, that's a that's a that's a very good. That's a very funny movie. Martin Landau does not do a better job than Samuel L. Jackson. Well, I, I'll take your word for it. I haven't yeah. seen it. It's it's a good movie. It's a funny movie. It's it's Johnny Depp, and it's yeah, it's taking the piss. They're making the one. It's it's like a mockumentary sort of thing. It's funny. It's very good. Watch it. It's black and white. But yeah, look. As with a lot of roles in this movie, Quentin Tarantino wrote the role of Jules for Samuel L. Jackson. And he almost gave the role to Paul Calderon, who's the bartender, Paul the bartender. Ah, right, right, yeah. Because he had a great audition, but Samuel Jackson heard about it and flew to LA and... The rest uh, is history. Bailed up, bailed up Quentin Tarantino and got the role and Calderon ended up getting the role of Paul. What's the quote, Morgs? My name is Paul and this is between y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see anyone else playing... Jules' role now. Oh, he's no, so no, no, this way. no way. It's it's so iconic now that role, of, yeah. particularly Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. Oh, all first the big Cahoon so burger, mate. all the one liners, all the dialogue. Is Correct. That's gonna, gonna be girl. that's gonna be one charming motherfucking pig. Yeah, <laughs> like it's incredible. Is it, is it check out the big brain on Brett or Brad? Brad. 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 So I reckon he says Brett for the first few times he says it. This oh, no Americans can't say Brett or Craig. Yeah. <laughs> they are shit at it's that. A fucking Craig. What the fuck is Craig? Yeah. You're crack. Um, but yeah, I, I was confused with this time around. I always thought it was Brad my a whole life, but this time I thought Jules was he's laying a few barrettes on us. Yeah? Not like you <laughs> not like uh, Flight of the Concord, Brit. Brit Brit Brit. 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 How good's Flight of the Concord? One of the greats. Oh, oh so good. good. Loretta broke my heart in a letter. <laughs> she said that she was leaving and her life would be better. <laughs> But uh, yeah, anyway, a couple of sliding doors. He missed out on quite a few roles in his time. He missed out on a role in Reservoir Dogs. Um, he missed out on a move in on Malcolm X to Delroy Lindo. Uh, he auditioned for a role in Mississippi Burning, but was told he didn't have a not didn't sound Southern enough, even though he was born in or raised in Tennessee. Oh Jesus! Wow. Uh, passed on the role of Morpheus. Just just hang on a second. You know, times are tough when you're a black man and you can't get a role in Mississippi Burning. <laughs> I can't imagine you're going to be doing a lot. Right in that movie, as a black man in Mississippi burning, grim. Seriously, <laughs> Adam's gone. We lost him. <laughs> but yes, pass on the role of Morpheus, which obviously went to Lawrence yes. Fishburne. Yes, I, you know what? And that's a big sliding door. But also, I, I don't. He would have. He would have been good. But again, he's another one. I, I don't see his head's not big enough for Morpheus. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne's got the third biggest head on planet Earth. Yeah, it's decent. What's the first? <laughs> I'm probably sixth. I'm probably sixth. Uh, what's what do you say? Did you say what's the second? I oh, know number one. It is number two. <laughs> oh, BJB. Number one. Michelle in the park. Shout out to Phil. Number two was Brent Lovegate. Wally. Yes. And. Number three, Morpheus. Yeah, <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne. Number six is Matthew White. Fits most. Yeah. Fits most. One fits most. What about the baby and family guy? Stewie. Yeah, but he's a car- he's a car- he's a cartoon. He's a big head. Does have a big head. How does he get out of a vagina? That is. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's here. a football shaped vagina. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> 
Cedar must be super randy if you're going back to that well. Oh. He's drunk half the time, so it doesn't matter, I don't think. <laughs> he was offered the role of Alex Ross in Kiss the Girls, which the Morgan Freeman role. Okay. Yep. And also, he turned down a role in Boogie Nights. Oh. Oh, okay. Buck Swoop. Oh. <laughs> and again, Don Cheadle. Don you Cheadle. can't see anyone but Don no, Cheadle. you can't. You can't. I, it's hard to imagine Samuel L. Jackson doing that role. After, I guess after. Well, yeah, I, I, I struggle to see Samuel Jackson having sex. So to play a porn star, he's not classically handsome, Samuel L. Jackson. And, and we, when we did cover it in The Long Kiss Goodnight, where even he knew that Gina Davis couldn't find him attractive and want to have sex with him. <laughs> so, yeah. Ah, oh, Gina Davis. A big ass teeth. Ooh. Red dangleberries. It's a huge bitch. <laughs> All right, Uma Thurman. Early roles in Johnny B. Good and Danger Liaisons in 88. She was also in Mad... Johnny B. Good. Yeah, she was in... Anthony Michael Hall. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, she was in Mad Dog and Glory in 93 with Robert De Niro and Bill Murray. Obviously, big role in Pulp Fiction in 94. She was in Batman and Robin in 97. Yeah, she plays Poison Ivy. Yep. Terrible movie. The Avengers in 98. Dr. Yeah, Dr. Emma Peel. The Rafe Fiennes Avengers, not not Morg's favourite movie. And uh, and also, obviously, 2003, 2004, she was in Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2 with an Amazing. awesome, awesome performance in those movies. Amazing. Kill Bill Volume 1 is still one of my favourite Tarantino movies of all time. I love it. It's so good. Yeah, it, it's a great movie. They're both. I, I like them both. You don't like two as much, do you? Uh, I do like two, but not as much as one. I think there is... There is a divide between quality. Yep, fair enough. Yep. She's so sexy, though. She's so sexy in Pulp Fiction. She's sexy in Kill Bill. She's just amazing. I don't find her super attractive. Don't you? No, I don't. Like, you know, let's be honest. I'm not knocking her back. <laughs> but, you know, if I had a choice, I'm but, probably I'm probably looking... Yeah, she's not, probably... Plims, good, good fan of the show, Plims loves Uma. Yeah. Loves him. Post heroin overdose, pretty attractive. <laughs> Definitely, it's, with all the stuff hanging out, yeah, with all the goop hanging out of it, yeah, with the oh. with the bubble, yeah, and bubble comes out yeah. the nose. Oh, so sexy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, look, she um she was nearly cast uh, in Contact in '97. Jodie Foster turned that role down, but uh, re re looked at the script. They did a, re- a revision of the script, and uh, then she changed her mind. She also turned their role of Arwen in Lord of the Rings, which was the Liv Tyler role. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Righto. But we went after her. Well, I did. I can see Lord that. Rings yeah, you're a big fan. Oh, you're a big Liv Tyler fan, aren't you? She's an absolute glamour. Yeah. Right, moving on. Bruce Willis. Now, we've, we've talked about Bruce Willis plenty of times. One of primetime movie for Moonlighting. Die Hard 88. We've, we've gone through Die Hard. Die Hard 2. Look Who's Talking. The Last Boy Scout 91. Cracker of a movie. Yeah, we're going to do that soon. Yep. We haven't done a Tony Scott movie yet. We've got to have one in the new year, I think. Yep. 12 Markies, um, The Sixth Sense, Tears of the Sun. Great movie. Yeah, I watched Super that. Super underrated. I watched that after we talked about it last time you told me to watch it. Good movie. Great movie. Really, really good, good movie. Cole Houses in that. Yeah, he is too. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, obviously, The Expendables, 2012. Yep. And he's done a ton of movies since then. Massive job because he's not been well. Yep. Our hearts with him. But, you know... That's a shitload of good movies. Mate, he's, mate, he's amazing. He was the biggest star. He was the biggest star in the in the nineties and early two thousands on the planet. Mm. 
I know we've talked about it before, but he did turn down the role of Sam Wheat in Ghost. Yeah. Uh, didn't think the plot would work playing a ghost no. and it would be detrimental to his career. <laughs> yeah, but all the shit that he's done afterwards. Well, well, so well, but then ironically was in The Sixth Sense. Yeah. Which was a ghost. Huh? A, quite quite a good movie for him. Not only that, he probably chose striking distance over ghost. So <laughs> Possibly. Anyway. <laughs> all right. And then look, we've got Ving Rhames as well. He's obviously well known for Mission Impossible as Luther. Tom Cruise's Offsider. He's in Pulp Fiction, Con Air, Out of Sight, Entrapment. Hang on a minute, you're forgetting. Undisputed. Yes. Yes, the prison movie, the prison fighting movie I made Morgs watch, and he got 10 minutes in it and decided he was too cool for it. My God. You give me a few heads up, my time, and you're usually pretty good. Like, if something I haven't seen, I will take your recommendation. That was fucking terrible. No, Daniel, come on. Undisputed and Undisputed 2, quality. I do like, I think Bing Rames has been way underutilized. I think he's fantastic. Now that I'm thinking, hasn't really got like that crap. I've seen a few of those Mission Impossibles, and he's just a comic foil (laughs) and uh, and horribly underutilized in those. As absolutely turd films where it's just a ego flex for Tom Cruise to do a stunt that if a stuntman did it, it wouldn't just be as cool, except that's all the, the wank on about the fact that he did a, a stunt shitter than a stuntman could do it. Um, but I think, back to my original thought, he's been underutilised. So I, I, we were talking about who's number one and number two for biggest heads, and we decided that. I think Bing Rames is number four. He had a huge head. Yeah. A huge head. <laughs> And I actually think that bandana on the back, they were trying to suck some sort of swelling out of it to make it fit in the camera. Well, he was, he was, this, this guy might have been too, he was considered for the role of John Coffey in The Green Mile. Uh, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you know, Fing Rames is not even six foot tall. No, he's a midge. Like he's not, he's only six foot tall and, and just under 200 pounds. So you see him in the movie when he walks up to, I can't remember, it was, it was, it was um, Bruce Willis or someone in, and he's, oh, no, it was John Travolta and he's. Pretty much the same height. So he always, I mean, he's quite muscly and big, but he always looks like bigger than what he is. Well, also, I think that 95% of all the actors in Hollywood are legitimate small people. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> he's definitely wider than he is tall. So, yeah, he is. He's solid, yeah. <laughs> he's, big but, and, he's big and undisputed. But anyway, let's go through quickly. Tim Roth obviously has a role in this. And Amanda Plummer, daughter of Christopher Plummer. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Rosanna Arquette as Jody and Eric Stoltz as Lance. Is that the one with the shit in her face? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> a great quote. No. That's Jody. wife. She's my wife. <laughs> um, Steve Buscemi as Buddy Holly. Yeah. Nice little cameo there. Christopher Walken as Captain Coons. He's got one of the standout scenes in the whole film. Great. Five years. <laughs> of his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this sort of slimy, greasy wolf. Okay, so funny. And Harvey Keitel is the wolf. Amazing. Yeah, Winston. Amazing. Yeah. Anyway, that'll wrap up. That'll wrap up our cast. Yeah. What about uh, box office and any awards, team in? All right. So, box office: one hundred eight million domestically, one hundred five million internationally, two hundred thirteen million worldwide. Now, the budget was only eight million dollars for this movie. Crazy. Right, and it was only that much because they got Bruce Willis on board. Yeah, later in, right, and because he had a few flops, but he still had a bit of box office power. Yeah, so he he pumped that up a little bit. Um, Five million dollars went to pay the actors and actresses' salaries, and the most um, the the largest chunk of the budget was one hundred fifty thousand that created Jack Rabbit Slim's set. Yeah, but uh, the 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 opening it was eight million dollar budget. Opening weekend did nine point three million. 
Yeah. Well, it took ages for it to come out, right? It took ages for it to come out. It did the whole festival. First three months was just festivals. And it was well worth paying the actors the five million, I reckon. Gee, Whiskers. Yeah, he's so well cast. It's incredible that a director in his second film had the ability to get some of the biggest, I don't know, some of them were a bit past it, but to get people to want to be in his film for that amount of money. Incredible. I think when you look at the careers of some of these people, like Uma Thurman, they were just coming for coming sure. up too. Like, for sure. And John Travolta was coming off the back of... Look who's talking. Yeah, but but he before that, you know, we, we've talked about his 80s before. Sure, he was terrible. He was nowhere. Bruce Willis was coming off a few flops after Die Hard in 88. So he's picked those, but he, he's actually written all of those. He wrote the parts for um, for Tim Roth and, and Amanda Plummer, particularly for those yeah, two. Yeah, You know, same as he did for Uma Thurman, same as he did for John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, so for sure. He obviously had them in mind when he's making this. Yep. Any awards? Uh, look, not really. We, we talked we talked before that um, Samuel L. Jackson got a BAFTA, but, um, and we talked about 94. Forrest Gump won everything. Yeah, it was nominated best for picture, seven Academy Awards. Yeah, Best Actor. Um, best supporting actress was Diane Weist. So Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction had off the nominations. For Lost Boys, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they had Pulp Fiction was nominated for Best Picture. Uh, John Travolta for Best Leading Actor. Samuel L. Jackson for Best Supporting. Uma Thurman Best Supporting, and Best Director as well for Queen. <laughs> but so it won Best Script or Best Screenplay. I think it won something like Academy that. Award yeah. for Best Screenplay. I know we get a little hung up on the Academy Awards and obviously I've got this ongoing side narrative of trying to get on to into the Academy, but at our peril, I think we disregard the fact that this won the Palme d'Or at, yeah. at Cannes. <laughs> obviously revered by those crazy Euros. Yeah. And uh, I think, unfortunately, the Academy just didn't know what to do with it. That was the problem. That was so... If not revolutionary, it was so different to what was being served up by every other studio at the time. I think that's probably to its detriment. If, you, if it was released uh, a few years later, it it could have um, it, it could have swept as we thought it might, and, and definitely some acting awards in there that probably should have. But uh, yeah, we shouldn't. Um, we, our, our Frenchies. Have you guys been to Cannes? In the, the all jokes aside, it's pretty slick. Is that is that where? Um... <laughs> Uh, no, isn't that when uh, um, Johnny Drama had the had the route on the beach at the Cannes Film Festival? <laughs> I'm sure he did. Wasn't really what I was thinking of, but yes, no, not been to Cannes. <laughs> it's excellent. I've, I've been lucky enough to go a couple of times. Actually, went to the advertising festival that was there um, many moons ago, and I've been there when I was a six C for Nitro Circus. Right, and uh, it is yeah, it's worth a look. It's it's pretty pretty amazing. Excellent, nice aside, Dan. I like that. But let's move into. 1994 hit Sleeper and Dud. And Dan, I believe you're off first cab off the rank. Yes, uh, I was very excited to look at this one because this is a film that not normally in my wheelhouse and Strangles may look at me and and, uh, and and think less of me for this, but the James Cameron bit with Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, True Lies. Yeah, it's a big fan. Released in 1994. I'm a huge fan. Big fan. I yeah, think so great it's the tone absolutely spot on between comedy and action. Never any dead spots. I mean, obviously ridiculous, but such an enjoyable film to watch and a, a, an absolute bonafide hit. So 
I think that, that that's a film I will uh, will go back to in uh, in the future for sure. And amongst a whole lot of other award-winning films and, uh, and and certainly it being quite a big year for cinema, I think this was a standout for me. What, what do you think? Oh, you're a fan of True Lies. Big fan of True Lies. The One of the funniest scenes in the history of cinema is the strip dance with Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis. She's a out-and-out out 10 out of 10. Mate, she's a well-put-together yeah. kit. Yeah, her body is incredible. <laughs> uh, her, acting, her acting in that movie is only surpassed by Bill Paxton, yeah, how who steals Bill? the show? Oh. Who steals? He's oh, pathetic. I, I think it is. It is. You're right there. I think that James Cameron gets the tone perfect. on? Perfect. He's not. I wouldn't say that James Cameron is particularly known or would be uh, be the, the guy that you would think that would get a comedy action correct. Uh, he, he seems to comes across a little bit serious and uh, a bit more of an auteur. If uh, definitely in the blockbuster realm, but he fucking nails it. No, I, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, no, well played. Well played. Well, Mark, uh, I don't think any less less of you, so you can sleep well tonight. Okay. Oh, thank you, Stuart. <laughs> went down a limb there, so I'm all right. yeah, no, it's fine. Gout, don't really give a shit what you think. G man, <laughs> what have you got for sleeper? I went through these. We've hit so many 94 movies before, and I may have talked about this one, but it is a cracker of a movie. It's Once for Warriors. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is such a hard-hitting, brutal, powerful, brutal. brutal movie that, but that is based, you know, on, on life in, in South Auckland. So it's, it just, I remember it just hits like a gut punch. So that movie, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it definitely was a sleeper. When you look at the year of movies that was that year, uh, it was, it was something that came out to us. But uh, I remember, I remember that being quite big here when it came out. Yeah, I, saw, I, mean, I remember seeing that at the movies, and it was just unbelievable in Sydney. I was just yeah. like, what is this? Is wow, amazing, but brutal, but rea- real, real. That's the real. Thing. I think that that's the that's the key to it. I mean, I, I, how many dudes do you think flow like this? How many dudes do you think flow like this? Not many, if any. If any. <laughs> Not many. Not many. If any. How many dudes you like? I'm still going to show like this. Uh-huh. 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 I don't know anybody. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> Scribe. Thank well you. done. Absolutely nothing to do with the film. No. Who doesn't love Scribe? Slice of heaven. Oh, anyway. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well done, G-Man, great movie. I saw that at the cinemas. Uh, it was uh, in a packed cinema at Hoyt's, and it absolutely took everyone's breath away. The first punch he oh, throws... It's just, it's just yeah. grim. And didn't it scare you to ever go drinking in a South Auckland bar where they just get crates of toolies and get stuck in and then punch on? So watch out for the tunny fur. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, what's a tunny fur? Yeah, last day, Hey, G. Hey, G. Hey, G. What's a tunny fur? <laughs> but that movie, walking out of the cinema, it's just that movie where everyone walks out deathly oh, quiet. Oh, yeah. Everyone walking out. Absolutely. Wow, what was that? Absolutely. Cook them out some mean, fucking eggs. When he throws that first punch after cooking some eggs oh. to uh, Biff, oh. Biff Hickey, I'm not pussed. I'm just hippie. Oh, you're fucking out of your head. So I've actually, I've actually read the book, and it wasn't Uncle. Bully, who was the molester, it was actually the father in the book. I was changed. Oh, they really? changed it. Yeah, yeah. So it was even more grim in a way. God. Wow. Yeah. Jake Hickey. Oof. Jake Oof. Demus. Oh. 
Uh, okay, Strangles. You, sorry, did you guys enjoy what becomes the Broken Hearted, the sequel? Uh, it's a completely different tone. Yeah. Do you know what it, it reminds me a bit of? Not as bad, but when Crocodile Dundee two came around. Yeah. So, yep. 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 And obviously, amazing film, but then they just crammed it. To try to cram too much into it and uh, and got a little lost. So yeah, I, and I didn't too much on the redemption. Like it changed the whole the whole movie. Yeah, the second one from the first one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Strangles, dud. This may prove popular or not not popular. I'm not really sure, but I fucking hate Forrest Gump. I think it's one of the worst <laughs> fucking movies ever made. Tom Hanks is a tosser and should go and blow his own... No, uh, I hate it. I went and saw it at the cinema and thought it was the biggest piece of American flag flying shit I'd ever seen in my life. Um, and that's where I'll leave it. Otherwise, I'll just go, go off on a tangent. It hasn't aged well. I agree. It's uh, we, were, we were a lot younger when it came out and probably didn't get the fairy floss and um, all of the... We didn't understand how, how it was saccharine it was, I guess, at the time. But in, uh, in hindsight and after having watched... 10,000 better movies than it, you can always see that it's a bit crap all for sure. I think you made a really good point, Dan, that old fiction is before its time. And I think if there was if there was any other movie maybe that was released other than Forrest Gump, which is just, it is, it is flag-waving, American, patriotic. This old fiction should have won every possible award yeah. in, in the history of awards. And Forrest Gump is not a better movie than this movie. No way. I will pick you up on one statement, though, uh, Strangles. Tom Hanks, I think you said he's a wank. Um, I'm actually <laughs> almost almost finished Elvis, the Baz Luhrmann joint at the moment. And I know that I fucking it. I like it. I'm going to go out there and say I actually quite like it. And I don't mind a bit of Baz Luhrmann style over substance, but this one, I think it's pretty amazing. And having been to Graceland recently on a travel without Gow, sorry about that, G-Man, <laughs> I kind of get the the, the 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 incredible cultural reference and phenomena that was Elvis, Elvis Aaron Presley. And uh, taking care of business and all that, you should see his fucking joint. Like, it's just incredible there. And I was hung over as balls. And I still enjoy myself. So, uh, yeah, Elvis, Baz Luhrmann, watch it. Why do you okay. I think it's shit house. Excellent. No, I think that it's a movie of two halves. I think the – I'm not sure whether I like the first half or the second half better. I think that the second half probably is better than the first half. And I, I, think, Tom, I think Tom Hanks is pretty good in it as the colonel. Yeah, and I think that Austin Butler is very good as Elvis. I really Excellent. do. But I, I again, good-looking fella. Yeah, I've got a real problem with Baz Luhrmann. I just do. So. See, I really like Romeo and Juliet as well. Yeah, I love I Romeo. Didn't mind the Great Gatsby. I, I I like I like Moulin Rouge. I think that's a better movie than Moulin Rouge. I liked. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to say I'm a Baz Luhrmann guy. Sorry, Australia that. destroys all all of them. Australia's freaking horrendous. Yeah. Um, and you see that's been re-released yes. as a Netflix series. Far away oh, down. Gal, yeah, is that something you've been forced to watch maybe at the gym? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Australia. I haven't seen Far Away Downs. Oh, Not even close. You're getting better, Gene. You're, you're a TC these days. I love it. Okay, so I thought I would just throw my hat in the ring for one. I'm going to do Sleeper. Please. And it's a movie that uh, 
that really applies to probably more Dan than anyone on this panel. It's called Surviving the Game. Uh, stars Rutger Hauer, Ice-T, Charles S. Dutton, Gary Busey, F. Murray Abraham, and John C. McGinley. Good now, cast. Rutger Hauer gets, well, some uh, they kidnap, I think it's Ice-T gets kidnapped and he's put in a game where they're hunting him. These rich guys are hunting him for sport. I remember it vaguely. And I've got to say, I, I remember watching this and thinking, this is fucking, it's again ahead of its time. You know, again, there's been a now, there's been dozens of stories where people are hunted for sport, Hunger Games and yep. Battle Royale and Squid Game and all this kind of stuff where people are taken advantage of. But surviving the game, guys, it's worth a little look. Uh, it's It's hard to find. I remember watching it when it came out. But yeah. Gee, where, what year was it? 94. 94. We're still doing 94. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Well done. Well done. Yeah. I remember seeing it then, around then, maybe 95, but um, but I haven't seen it since then. Yeah. Well, it's worth a revisit. It's going to be up on Plex shortly. Well done, gentlemen. The, the new format for Hit Sleeper Doug worked well. You all put your effort in and appreciate it. Let's move into a question time. Okay, Gao alluded to this earlier. So you're a hitman, you're on the job. Would you leave the gun on the kitchen bench as you took a shit in the toilet of the guy's place that you're looking for? Answer. No. I heard him do an interesting take on this, and the, it's the only thing that makes it plausible, was that that's where Vincent went straight after the fight. So he's literally been there all night. So he's been waiting, hoping that old mate's going to come back. It gets to the morning, and he's like, mate, he's not coming anywhere near. He is, he's, his defences are down. He's taking a dump. He's reading a book like the G. He's even doing like the G. The, the way he does the real slow page turn that I've seen on planes all over the world and just wanted to kill the fuck with. And uh, he does the same thing, the way he reads his book. And, yeah, that's the only way I can excuse the, the lapse in Vincent's judgment that ultimately uh, uh, tell you, is... Sorry, you go, mate. Death. Sorry, sorry. I, I thought they were both very chilled hitmen. Even when they were shooting away in the drug dealer's place... They were very mellow by the end of it, and they were just chilling out there waiting when the huge gunshots had gone off. I was like, get the fuck out of there. Oh, I'm taking the gun in the toilet with me. Well, sorry. I think the thing was, too, for me, re-watching it, was that Butch comes in the door, and he's sitting in the toilet. There's no other noise in the room. There doesn't appear to be any other background noise, but he doesn't hear him come in the door, doesn't hear him walk in, doesn't hear him put the, the Pop-Tarts in the toaster, even. Like, doesn't think to get up there and then just walks out like he's... He's definitely engrossed. He's definitely yeah. engrossed. I'd being obvious guy that he was having a turd sleep. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, some of the best do that, Morgs. Well, you're you're a you're the you're the master on this subject, Daniel. Yeah, oh, just a little segue uh, for you, Strangles. I was working in Canary Wharf in the UK oh, yeah. in the late '90s, and just smashing up the piss every night of the week, <laughs> and then tra- traipsing into work. Sometimes having a spew in the uh, in the train station there. Canary Wharf, I might through. But the one solace I had was that I could go down a couple of floors into the shitters and just literally have a snooze. So I remember I was doing wow. a particularly hungover and I called it a dirt sleep and it was a thing. And uh, I just remember coming out and hearing giggling, giggling and like, what the fuck is that? And then I hear this, 
I think he's asleep. <laughs> Out there listening to me, obviously snoring mid-turn sleeve. So, yeah, Morgan Stanley didn't get their pound of flesh out of me back in the late night. Did you work for Morgan Stanley's in the late yeah, 90s? I've, I've, I've got a checkered past. Of, I worked uh, there in the late 90s too. Oh, look, we could definitely have, uh, have crossed paths. So. Uh, I wasn't me giggling, I promise. That was, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that, was that was Fat Morgs. Jeez, he was a good bloke. <laughs> he was. Mate, Fat Morgs was a legend. And then the, every every night coming home to Morgs would get on the piss and he'd do a, have a turn. Then he'd come home and then he wouldn't eat all his dinner because he'd stop for a slide cheesy on the way home. Every night. I thought it was just the women that got the Heathrow injection. Did you get it too, mate? Oh, no. Morgs had it before he went. <laughs> Morgs was a little chubbier than he is today. Like, he wasn't overtly overweight, oh. but he was a little chubbier. Right. But, you know. <laughs> he's a good-looking rooster. Yeah. The guy's Samoan. He's a fool. Now, Samoan. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Okay, then. Uh, was was Vincent going to bone Mia before shit went south? Absolutely. Yes. yes. 100%. That's why he had to talk to himself in the toilet. Go on. Oh, pull yourself oh, It was her. She was yeah. the oh, yes. one driving that. Yeah. Like Vincent was just caught in her web, and 100% they were they were boning that. Would, you, would you guys do it? Would you guys bone her oh. in, that, in that? Well, she's got just as much moves as he does. Yeah. I think, yeah. but yeah, we would. But in saying that, it also adds a bit of spice to the Tony Rocky horror story. Story. Well, that's the, the great Mac story, right? Right. <laughs> now, the, now you sort of think, well, I can see there's been a foot massage going on. Oh, here. Yeah. I think this has happened because hmm. she's a bit of a horny minx. Yep. And, and and in the whole movie, Marcellus and me don't even talk to each other once. No. So how happy is their marriage? Yeah, that's that's not you know. Yeah, the whatever, whatever, back, whatever story you, you you throw out there to make it okay, and I th- and I think at the end when they said, look, should we keep this under wraps after the heroin? Yes. Does, says if they had done it, it kind of probably would have been. She says, I, I would be as much trouble as you. Yeah. And he says, I highly, you know, I highly I doubt, doubt it. that. Yep. But yeah, I don't think it ends for either of them very well. No. Catch up. No, catch up. Okay, so okay, we all agree with that. So, what's happening at the wolf's house? At that time in the morning, awesome. the constitutes awesome a, a, a tuxedo being worn, and many people in the in the house of the wolf at seven a.m. What's going on? Is that his house? No, that's or his is, house. Or is he at, at a party? That's no, I think that's his house. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's hard to know that, but there's everyone's dressed up. I mean, he's obviously in the in the black tie. Yeah. yeah. So what is going on? What's there? going on? I don't know. Dan, you got any insight into that? Oh, just that. I, if there was one character I'd like to be in the whole film, it'd be the wolf. He's just how good is he? Pretty sick. Oh, yeah, and was going to bang red. Play, I'll be there in ten. Yeah, yeah. Going to bang red in the end, wasn't he? Definitely. Just because you are a character doesn't mean well, you have oh. character. <laughs> Big Tony's daughter. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm glad no one else knows what's going on there, but it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Great. Okay. What's in the briefcase? Who's in the bar? <laughs> oh, one of the top ten. <laughs> yeah. What's in the briefcase? Now the the stories. There's a million stories. Yep. It's supposed to be Marcellus' soul. There's all these different things. What is it? Well, that is that is what it's supposed to be, um, and that is what the bandaid on the back of the neck. That's the story. Yeah. Is that the soul is taken out through the neck? That's why Marcellus right. has it. Okay. And that's that's in. I can't remember what culture. It might be Chinese culture, but there is a. Something along those lines. Where, whereas that it's what it is purported to be. Okay. Well, I think it's a yellow lamp just firing up. Oh yeah, the faces. Yeah. 
Definitely. Because <laughs> in the, I remember in the movies, going, what's in there? Is it gold? What, what is it? Yeah. You'd think it's gold. There's a lot of... And this is what I love about Quentin Tarantino. God, there's so many unanswered questions in his movies. Mm. There, there's also uh, another story that it's the diamonds from the Reservoir Dogs. Uh, oh, right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So good. Quentin has refuted all of this. He did, he essentially agrees that it's MacGuffin. So right, MacGuffin's okay. something that characters value, but it doesn't really make a difference. We don't really learn more about it. And on the interwebs... There's actually the top 10 MacGuffins, which I'll go through very quickly, if that's all right. Sure. Um, in no particular order, the dude's rug in the... Oh, <laughs> top 10. Doug in the hangover. Yeah. So yeah. He's really inconsequential. I mean, there's yep. vision for him, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, something called the Horcruxes in the Harry Potter series. Yep, but yep. I'm not a dork, so I have no idea what... I know what they are. I know what they are. I, I do yeah. too, and this is yeah. where we'll divert... Uh, Dan, I love Harry Potter. We couldn't if it, we couldn't we couldn't be the same person. Probably we're going to have to diverge at some point, so that's all right. Um, next is the Ark of the Covenant in Raiders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's Father MacGuffin. Um, the Infinity Stones in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, that begs a question: what? Who gives a fuck? What? Um, the Holy Grail in various various movies. Uh, the Maltese Falcon in the Maltese Falcon. Yep. Uh, obviously, the briefcase in Pulp Fiction, Rosebud in Citizen Kane, uh, the One Ring in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, again, that's more of a demo dorky thing. Uh, that's it, really. I think that was ten. So, yeah, MacGuffin is a very common plot device, and it just so happens that that's what Quentin chose to use in this time. But I, I've also heard all the things that Gao espoused, and all I can say is that it's all bullshit. There you go. Okay, last question. Is this Tarantino's best? Yeah, no. Ooh. Yes. All right, we can have a run. Okay, yeah. so we're going to hang on a minute. No, no, no. Dan, is it his best? No. I enjoyed it a great deal on the revisit, and I think it's, uh, yeah, obviously I'll, I'll keep my, my guards a little closer to my chest than strangles, <laughs> but in my particular favourites, no, it's probably not top. Three or four? Yeah, it's not. Uh, so, Inglorious Bastards is my favourite. Yeah, uh, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood may have jumped up recently too. I either yeah. gravitate back towards that a lot. Um, I mean, I love to romance. I love Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, I was say Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Well, then G Man. Uh, the Kill Bills I enjoy, but not as much. I love out as much as Whitey does. Yep. The hateful, uh, hateful no, hate. I'm going to say definitely not for me. Okay. But I can understand how it could be. So yep, definitely. I'll let that's up. G Man, where do you stand on this? Look, now that we discuss it further, it's really hard because then you look at Django Unchained, yeah, Inglorious Bastards, um, is the, is Old Pictures the up there. Tarantino joint, yeah. Six Sense. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's always your fucking favourite movie whenever we do this. <laughs> But I don't think that's in any way or shape or form true. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> my accuracy is my thing now. Yeah, that's really that's really hard when you look at once yeah, on Hollywood. <laughs> From dusk till dawn. Although he didn't direct that, did he? No, he didn't direct it. We we're just talking about ones he's directed. Yeah, geez. Oh, I, I don't know. Kill Bill. Kill. I always love the Kill Bill movies. 
Okay, so I'm you're saying, 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 you're you're saying you're I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. Maybe not. I'm finding it hard to. Every to film take. is your number one. No, I just find it hard to make that the best out of out of yeah, some of those. For sure, for sure. Strangles. Yes. Okay. Easy. Nostalgia. The way it was Matthew. written. Uh, this this was my favourite Quentin Tarantino film, probably up until Inglorious Bastards was released. I think that may have surpassed it for my favourite film of Tarantino's. I, like you, Daniel, have are becoming vastly fond of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The more I see of it, the yep. more I am. I, I, I still, but in saying that, I, I think for what it did to cinema, it's hard to go past this, but I don't think it's his best. But for me, it's it'd be top three or four, and it'd be top of the top three or four. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like okay. it'd be in that. It'd be, no, no, no. But it would be. Number two. It wouldn't be number two. No, I'd say Inglorious Bastards is my number one. Pulp probably is my number two. Kill Bill's probably my number three, volume one, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's probably my number four. I think that's just off the top of my head. I love it. Anyway, well done, gentlemen. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, we're going to start with our guest, because he's got a long list that might cover all of us. <laughs> yep. So, Strangles, why don't you take it away? Look, I'm just going to list them, and I'll, I might skip over a few, because I don't want to take everything. This is the opening scene, and then the music hitting. It's just yep. amazing. That was my first one. <laughs> Good. All right, we'll track. right. And then the next scene, and then the next scene, and then the next... <laughs> um, the, the soundtrack's epic. I mean, I had I bought the album and played... Album, that's how old I am. Uh, and played that ad nauseum in the car or at, at home. Amazing. I think we all did. I think we all... Like, yeah. That's today, for sure. Absolutely. Yep, yep. Um, iconic actors in it now. You look back and they're just going, how good are these actors? Um, John Travolta's hair and the way he walked... In this film, yeah, with yeah. that slick back, little moulay sort of hair, and and this the way he kind of swaggered, I uh, love that. Um, Samuel L. Jackson's Merv Hughes moustache on steroids. I thought that was really nice. Uh, Vincent Vega, the way he smoked a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. Like, I thought it was distracting. It's actually a Morgs thing. Morgs, Morgs has never been a smoker, but he's always had a thing for how cool people smoked. John Travolta is a very good smoker of a yes, cigarette. He is in general. Yep, yep. Um, I, I loved, I love the case, but the combat. Did everyone see what the combination on the case? Six, six, six. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, let's just go over that one. <laughs> Uh, which one? Oh, I just like the depiction of the heroine injecting of the heroin and the feeling yeah. afterwards and the way John Travolta acted. Well, he'd uh, never heroin. done heroin before in his life. Wow. That was his first time. Was, no, no, no. <laughs> no. So he'd never done it before. He went, he went full method. He, he went and met with an ex-addict. He went and met with an oh, ex-addict really? to find out what the reaction and how it would be. Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing when Uma Thurman's saying, I'm over here and he's just turning. Oh, mate. Yeah. That, that, that intercom scene. Oh. Hello? Hello? Yeah. <laughs> Over here, Vincent. <laughs> so good. And when he's driving in the car, he's just got the mate. He's got the. He's so fucking almost asleep. Yeah. And then it's the fake car, which is the same as Kill Bill, which is a, a great yeah. little Quentin Tarantino. He's so good. Bit. Yeah, yeah. The Jack Rabbit Slims set. It's just freaking amazing. I'd love to go eat there and maybe yeah. I'll dance there, but eat there. Um, how good was smoking in a restaurant back in the day? 
Well, I've got that in my. I've got smoking inside is bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had seen Fox Force Five. I reckon that would have been an awesome TV show. Would have been amazing. Um, Zippo lighters. Don't have them yeah, anymore. Yeah. Oh, the best. I used to have heaps of them. Um, Eric Stoltz's Speed Racer T-shirt. Yes. yes, good. Very cool. Very Love cool. Speed Racer. Yeah. Apparently, you can buy all the shirts from this movie on a, on the internet somewhere. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. What about Eric Stoltz eating cereal at yeah. whatever time of <laughs> night that it is, just in bed in his gown eating his cereal? Yeah, fuck with. <laughs> <laughs> Um, obviously, the Christopher Walken gold watch. Yeah, scene. I know I'm stealing that from everyone else. Up his ass. <laughs> up his ass. So good. Um, so we hid this hunk of metal up my ass. I th- <laughs> Seven years I hid this hunk of metal. <laughs> um, the Vietnam War didn't go for long enough for him to be in a fucking prisoner of war camp for 12 years, however long as he talks about. <laughs> Unless he was fighting for the French. Which is, yes, well, it went forever. At least 60. It went forever. <laughs> um, I like the Bruce Willis scene. His acting was amazing when he goes ape shit when she didn't bring the watch. And then he yeah. talks him yes. way down and then he loses again at the car. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing acting. Uh, only a couple more go. Uh, the whole. Damien! Damien! Don't use that The whole. The whole pawn shop scene. The whole pawn shop Grim, grim. grim. Uh, Marvin getting his head blown off in the car. Oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> so good. Harvey Keitel is just great. And I and I had the question, what was uh, we doing at the tuxedos at eight thirty in the morning? Yeah, yeah. So that's my good. Okay, only a few. Outstanding. Yeah, only a few. I had to cut a whole lot out of that car. <laughs> Daniel, what about you? Yeah, I that's I I had several of those in in my good as well, but I just think overall for me that the script writing it's just yeah what any script writer would aspire to. I mean, they just changed the game essentially by having all of these wonderful characters just talk absolute bollocks that usually had very little to do with the scene that we're in, but conversely told us all we needed to know about the character and, and what needed to propel the story along. So I, I just think it's it's just incredible, amazing. And what I came back to on this revisit was just the, uh, the, 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 the Tarantino style, which is instantly recognisable, copied absolutely senseless since then. By, by by a huge amount of wannabes, but if you just go back to the source, it's interesting when he was he was brought on as a script doctor into that Denzel Washington movie, the submarine one, Crimson Tide. Oh yeah, Crimson Tide. Yeah, and there's a, you can there, there were quite a few script doctors called in to uh, to give it a, a bit of a rinse the the script, but he does the scene where he talks about the Silver Surfer with yeah. young uh, the young able bodied seaman. And again, it just takes you out of that and that movie, and straight away you're like, oh, that that has to be what Quentin wrote. So yeah, I just think, and as a screenwriter myself, and obviously in industry veteran, we we had similar paths for um, like absolutely never. Um, um, he's really good at what he does, and I'm not. And uh, I bet I can I can aspire to be that. And who knows? I'm coming into my prime. I might actually uh, start to start to make some headway. So yeah, well done. Great script. Thank you. Not me. I'm in my prime. <laughs> I'm in my prime. G-Man, what do you got for good? Well, it's all been covered. I'm just going to be a Greer guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do what you do, mate. Do yeah. what you do. I agree. Um, no, love the opening dialogue into the music, into the guitar music. It's fantastic. And it's so... 
passed over, I guess, into pop so, culture. Lots of jangly guitars. I'm longer than I thought. Like, yep. Dick Dale uh, obviously opens the fill, but there's quite a few tracks with that real jang- jangly surf guitar in there yep. that I'd forgotten all about. So. Definitely, um, his his music supervisor is just mm. yeah. We've had that discussion she before, is. Dan. She, the, the, she is worth her weight in gold. Oh well, that's it. I mean, she she makes a lot of these films. It's it certainly can't imagine it without the Reservoir Dogs and this, especially are just yeah. uh, iconic. So yeah, I don't, but, but, but also the, the dialogue and the big Kahuna Burger scene. That first scene, that all the dialogue in there. Samuel Jackson nails that whole scene. Um, He's just so scary, but he got the dry wit as well. Just such an uber scary character. When you think about it, those two, like they literally could have just walked in and shot him and had the same result. Yeah. But he decided just to torment them mm. some more. But you love they, your job. You know, but I love it. They walk up to the door. They, look up, they walk up to the door and it's 7.22 in the AM and they go, come on, we're not, mm. we're not quite ready. And then when they're talking, he goes, let's, get, let's go get into character now. You know, but they just... How good, just to nerd out for a second, yeah, how good is where he uses the... Um, the full depth of field there and they just walk out a frame right up to the back of the frame and still yeah. have the conversation whereas you could think a normal director would go in tight into each of them and, and have a two-hander and have them chatting towards but he's comfortable enough in his second film just to go nah I like this shot through the doorway they're just going to keep chatting and while I'm going to stay yeah, like, fuck here interestingly too I noticed I noticed like when uh, in the scene where she overdoses and they go to, to Lance's house when Lance goes in the bedroom to get his little black book and the camera's panned on the doorway half of the door with him in the room and halfway towards the other room and it doesn't go in yeah. to show, like again it doesn't go to show in the room it's a, it's an odd angle and, and when he first buys the drugs it's coming up from behind the bed and showing them so he, he creates those angles really well it's just different scenery to what you'd normally see and a lot of those down low angles like it's always looking out of car boots and, and looking down yeah absolutely yeah. good call Gow what the fuck just happened there Gow what the absolute fuck did I just hear I've been listening to this the camp for too long <laughs> that was a film school for F with Lick Out. If ever I've heard one. Wow. Gee, man. Yeah, mate, I, I got a little bit of blood. Oh, no. I got a little bit of blood in the old I fella then. Fat. And then you can have that two then you can have that two hand. Good wow. good angles. Oh. Good angles, Quinn. Good, good angles. angles. It's all about the angles. Good any more, Gee Man. I don't think you can top that. No, no, just quickly. The 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 dialogue or the chemistry between Vincent and Jules is really good. The, yeah. the chemistry between, obviously, Mia and Vincent is really, really good. The two of them, like, straight away, you can see the sparks flying. Uh, so I, I she's think, young in this film, yeah, too. Yeah. So to, and How old is she? Against an, uh, a luminary. She's in 20. So she was in 20. Yeah, it was super early 20s. So the character's 23, but right. she was even younger than that. Apparently, oh, apparently oh, she said, yeah. like, because when she had to dance with with John Travolta, she said, I'm really nervous about this. Like, I've got to dance again. And she told it to him, and he just goes, shut up and twist. Yeah. <laughs> just get <laughs> <laughs> uh, But, yeah, look, that, that was it for oh, me, Bruce. And then I want to add that to my good. When he started dancing on the room, incredible. I had the mo- yeah. massive smile on my head. Yeah. Just thought, that guy, that's it. That Mate, he, he gets up on his toes. Yeah. It's just so fucking oh. easy. He makes it look so easy. I would have rolled my ankle. Nearly as good as Damo. Yeah. Yeah, nearly. 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 Yeah, yeah nearly. Nearly. Uh, okay, look, everything's we good. We Damo here to actually comment on the on the dance. Yeah, definitely. We might get his, him to... He's at WatchCon Hawaii at the moment. He'll be... Uh, he, he might come in with some uh, feedback. Also, one more. I've got one little one. Sure. Oh, go, Jenny. You dig it the most. <laughs> <laughs> you dig it the most. 
Okay, so I'm going. I'm digging the most. Most of most of this stuff has already been said. Obviously, I'm going to pile on with Dan with just Tarantino. Just what an absolute fucking genius, uh, and and so bold at such a young age and so early in his career to be able to do what this movie is. It's just nothing has been done before, and the fact that he he effectively changed cinema just like that, and it was. The minute yeah. this movie was released, it was never the same. Uh, again, we've talked about the soundtrack, the use of the radio. I love the the use of the radio, and it's a lot in the film. Uh, I've got the script, Dan, but I won't do that. Jules and Vincent, they are so good in this movie. The back and forth, the dialogue, the, you can, it's incredible. I think probably it's when they're angry with each other. I love the when they're at the Wolves, and like Jules is just blowing up, and and uh, Vincent's trying to like get out of the fact that he shot the fucking guy in the head. Uh, I love US diners. Mm. I, when They're having breakfast, and all I want is to sit at that booth yeah. and eat US diner food. Mm. Yeah. You know, the, the the muffin, the bacon and eggs, everything just looks so fucking good. Chicken fried steak. Mate, oh. US diners. Just quietly, to this new pancake diner at Burley Wolves. Saw that. Get into it. Have you been? Corner. Christine. Have you been? No. Okay, well, we, let's do that. Yeah, let's do Christmas. it. Christmas, let's yeah. do it. Uh, the, the heroin buying scene, so when he's buying off Lance and just the, you know, uh, is that the one with all the shit in the face? <laughs> like, it's so subtle. You know, you've got to remember that I've just been in Amsterdam. He's like, please, please, Negro. Like, come on. This shit, I don't know, you were just into that shit you buy, like... Uh, picking up, we've talked about picking up Mia, uh, Mia talking into the intercom. Uh, like it's just, he's so off his head, so good. Uh, Christopher Walken is such a like a splash of sunshine. He's he, if you talk about parody, that that could be the only part of parody of the film. Uh, the whole up his ass. He fucked up that dialogue, which is why it's even more Walken than normal. So he forgot some of the dialogue towards the end, which is why there's a massive gap. Yeah, he's so paused because he couldn't, paused, he couldn't yeah. remember the line. But it adds to the Walken. Yeah, uh, the movie. A movie like this could age pretty easily, I reckon, because it is set in a specific time and in a specific area, and I don't think it has. I think that it is just as easy to watch today as it was back in 94. I enjoyed it just as much today as I did then. I think it's 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 timeless. It really yep. is. Oh. Uh, and as Morg said, if there's one person you want to be in the movie, it's the wolf. The wolf is so fucking cool. When he says you're 30 minutes away, I'll be there in 10, and then turns up in that fucking poncy little race car, <laughs> you're, like, yeah, you're like, oh my God, this guy's the fucking man. And how cool he is in under that pressure. Uh, and I love it when he goes, oh, this is good coffee, right? Right. Um, when he says, "I think I saw, some, I think I smelled some coffee back there." Yeah, did you go and get me in? Yeah, he's so good. Everything he does is good. Also, if I'm curt with you, it's because time is a factor. <laughs> yes, it's just so. Yeah, everything he does professional. is professional. So everything he's so professional. All right, I think that's it for good. You could just go on and on. Uh, what about bad? And we're not going to start with you, Adam. We're going to start with G-Man. What do you got for bad? Okay, got a couple of just quick ones here. <laughs> We, I think it's pretty well known that um, when the guy with the hand cannon comes out and shoots, there's already yeah, the two the bullets are in the bullet, bullet holes are already in the wall behind him, and that's that's a, a known you know goof. Oh, of shit, the movie. You see that? Yeah, yeah. got it. But I did notice this time because I was sort of looking out for that, and maybe that's what put me into it. Was that when when they're talking and when when Jules shoots the guy in the lounge, there's no actual the gun doesn't discharge. There's no smoke. Yeah. He just there's just a sound and then the guy wriggles on the lounge. There's no there's no blast damage to the guy and it was really I really noticed it. Hold on, 
Keep going, Gareth. It's good. Yeah, so I, I just thought it was funny because he just points the gun at him, but there's no actual gun. To, like when they shoot Brad, you can see yep. the gun's firing. Right? In that one, he just doesn't shoot the gun. Yeah. Um, also, the other quick one was when, when Mia gets stabbed in the chest, they put the red dot on her. Puts the red dot on the chest so that you know, yes. stab, we got yeah. to stab her three times. Yeah. Um, when she sits up and jumps up, there's, there's no red there's dot. No red dot. Yeah. And you can sort of see the the, the fake yeah. chest there. But yeah, there's no red dot there. That was filmed in reverse. Mm. So they actually, so to get the stab motion down, uh, they filmed you. it in yeah. reverse because there's no way. Yeah, there's no way. There's he, no fucking way he can hit that spot. Yeah. I was thinking, how do you do it? You've got to like hold it on and then do the short, the one inch Bruce Lee punch. Yeah, and it was supposed to be a black marker pen. Well, it's all you have. It's a red marker pen. <laughs> it's this the heart, and then it's like, it's like Trudy or whatever her name is. And she's like, yeah, that, how the fuck do you know? Jody, how does Jody know? <laughs> all right, Jimmy, is that all you got? Uh, yeah, that's it. Okay, Strangles, take it away. I've got here, um, as if a gangster would actually let one of his minions take his wife out. I was kind of <laughs> like, really? Would he? Well, that's how, that's how secure he is in his, well, in his power. Yeah. She's a horny minx, man. Yeah. She's fucked a hundred blokes. A <laughs> hundred of his minions, you're Definitely. Yeah, well, I thought that was weird. Um, who orders a vanilla Coke or shake when they're adults? They should be ordering alcohol, except if you don't drink whitey. Hey, it's a pretty fucking good milkshake, apparently. Yeah, apparently it is. <laughs> it's like got no bourbon in it or nothing. At least get a Budweiser. It's what one of the best equivalent, like, price... Price um, to gouge today of a to five dollars. Yeah, I know. Like, oh, fuck. wait a minute, that's a ninety dollar milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you said oh, bourbon or nothing. Like, well, yeah, that's five dollars now. You'd be like, sweet, yeah, three of them. Yeah, um, Fabian's Fabian, the French girlfriend's freaking annoying. She annoys the hell out of me. Uh, I'm gonna get to Fabian. I'm gonna go okay. deep on her. Cool. And the last one is, look, I love Quentin Tarantino as a writer or director. He's not an actor. His acting, I think's ordinary i actually don't think he's that bad as jimmy i actually don't think he's that bad as he's jimmy. tom hanks good in this movie no so i think he's playing he's supposed to play that annoying role oh it's fucking annoying. I, I just he's not a great actor i, I just thought in this day he was he's quite full on from from my, what i remember him being and he's he sort of gives a lot of shit to them and i'm i those two i don't really think would be the type to like but he's, he's, but he's got them under he's got them under a fucking bit of a you know, if he doesn't help them, then they're fucked. I, I yeah. just think he completely overacts. I think he's just overacting. I don't know. But... Don't fucking jimmy me, Jules. Made me buy the coffee. <laughs> I know it's good. <laughs> you got a problem? You got to call your people? Yeah. <laughs> that whiny. You look like a couple of dorks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's me done. Okay. Uh, Daniel, bad. Yeah, I agree with Strangles on the acting thing. I just don't think Quentin can do his own dialogue. I think his dialogue's excellent, but the one that Jeremy Jewell thinks the thing that he struggles with his own writing. So I think any other actor in in that would have uh, would have, would have handled a lot better. Not Zoe Bell. Zoe, yeah, maybe Zoe, him and Zoe Bell are yeah. two uh, awful uh, awful exponents of his own dialogue. Yeah. But I also thought that the white guys, Jimmy and Lance in here, their use of the uh, the, the racial epithet throughout sounded too forced and a bit more, I don't know, shock value-esque. Like, I don't know that they would have been using their N-words as uh, with with as much abandon, obviously, Jules and... and, um, uh, and um, uh, Marcellus and oh, yeah, yeah. all of the African American characters. It just sounded a bit on the revisit. It was like, okay, that's super forced. I'm not sure that you'd be using that. 
in the uh, in the, in the way you have. So whether that was overwritten or an attempted shock, I don't know. But it was yeah, it just struck me on this revisit. Oh, fair enough, uh, Australians. You talked. Uh, you mentioned Fabian. She's the worst part of this movie. I oh, know. <laughs> Tarantino has a knack in some of his movies of having one character which is not in the same movie. Now, in every movie that Zoe Bell's in, she's the worst part of that movie. Mate. Right? She is, I like Zoe Bell too. I think she's fantastic, but she's, she's always mate, in, a totally not even close to in, everyone else. In, in Death movie. Proof, she is a standout bad. In Hateful Eight, she's standout bad. In Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, she's standout bad. And in this movie, it's Fabienne. Now, the fact that she is... His loyalty to who he loves. For sure. I, like, and look, it's my movie. For sure. I love her. She's going in. Absolutely. I've got no dramas with that. I've got, I, I got no dramas with loyalty. But, mate, to the detriment of your movie, you could have put anyone else in those roles and it would have been 10 times better it, yeah. automatically. Fabienne's character is so bad, is so poorly written. She's... She, in terms of the... Uh, you know, bloody checklist thing that we do. Morgs is fucking whatever we call that. I forget. <laughs> we haven't got there yet. I think that is... She's the person who is so interested in another movie. Like the whole... Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. There's some parts that are funny. The, you know, um, you know, uh, c- can you give me oral pleasure? Will you kiss it? Or you first? There's some funny parts, but the whole... The rest of it is so grating. And... Seriously, how she forgets that fucking watch, if it's that important to Butch, how she forgets that fucking watch, I don't know. I'd leave. I would have just not gone back and just left her. She must be very good at something. <laughs> she's she's the most annoying girlfriend you could ever think of. She must be very good at kissing it. She must well, be very good at kissing it. Yeah. Well, that's all I can say. Yeah. No teeth. Yeah. The, the only thing, <laughs> the only other thing... <laughs> The only other thing I can say is you said smoking inside. Smoking inside is heinous. It is the worst thing ever. It is the shittest and worst thing ever. Didn't you love it when you were in the pub and no, the smoke was down to your no. waist? It was the best. I go home and have to have four showers and burn oh. my clothes. The, the best thing ever is going out now and no one's smoking. And the death riding that people get when they smoke. <laughs> okay, ugly. Um, Daniel, anything for ugly? Nothing. Okay. G-Man, ugly? Nothing. Adam, ugly. Yep, I got a few things. Okay. Vincent yeah. Vega wearing one of those Western string ties to Jack Rabbit's. Yeah. Stop it. Off. No. Stop it. Morgs is big on the bolo tie. Bolo tie. Oh, is that what it's called? That's what it's called. String something. <laughs> and I think you'll find that only six C's from the land busted out every now and again. Could be anyone could be someone on this podcast. Let's just edit this bit out. Someone may have a photo of that 6E with a bolo tie on. I tell you what, is it as bad as Matthew Hayden's pink Stetson hat? (laughs) Fuck, anyway. Oh, (laughs) sorry, just on Matthew Hayden, I caught him in the commentary. He's definitely, he'd be in your top five big heads, I reckon. (laughs) He's got quite the melon to Brad Glasgow Plumbing, for sure. He's got a massive... He's he's in the fits most, for sure. Yeah, okay. He he looked like like a rangy back rower there for many years, like he would just be... Killing it for the spring box, but now, yeah, he just looks like a fucking massive headed unit. 
Okay, Strangles, what's next on Ugly? Because I'm such a fashionista, I'll keep going with the, the get-up. Butcher's poo brown suede jacket with yeah. the waist. Yeah, right. Yeah. Ugly as fuck. And also it had the high shoulders, do you know? That? Very, oh, like, yes. 80s. Padded. Women's jacket. Yeah, like a padded like jacket. NFL. Yep. Um, ugly, snorting heroin, you think it's coke? That must be the worst. It's a quick fire away. No, oh, terrible. Especially because you put a shadow caster down. You're just like, what the fuck? Down, I see no one's around. There's a massive bag. I'm just going to make me a rock. Get the chest bag on. Um, yeah. oh, he's not going to notice. But hang on a minute. How, how old bubble knows? But how dumb is she? How dumb is she? It's quite obvious he's on heroin. Yeah, well, it's not coke. It's quite yeah, it's quite obvious it's not cocaine if it's in his pocket, if that's what he's on. <laughs> Fuck. And he would have been smashing the piss if he was on coke. Yeah. Jackrabbit Slims. So. Yeah. Um, last, lastly, Zed, when he's drumming his fingers on the gimp's head. Look, and so I'll, I'll slide into that. Ugly, I've got Zed and the gimp. Oh. I find, whilst it's an incredibly powerful scene, and them kicking the door shut and then hearing what's going on behind is frightening. But fuck, it's ugly. Oh, and it's so that good. music now is just like you know, I know, and so... you, exactly. But you know what? It's is it the first time we've seen apart from Screw Like a Pig? It's probably the first time in a cinema I've seen male rape. Oh. And it was so confronting and so brutal. Gag balls, the whole thing. Ah, oh, mate. So, just, but so well done. It wasn't as bad as the one in Snowtown, though. That was no, but that's later on. Oh, my no. God, that wrestle. Oh, I love it. Yeah. On the kitchen floor. Brother. Oh, I've told, that's, oh, I've, I've told yeah. the story of Snowtown. I turned it off four oh, times God. in the first 30 minutes. <laughs> Couldn't, and then had to force myself to get through oh. it. It is oh, fucking brutal. I didn't until the end, but yeah. That's... No, I've watched it. I've watched it to the end, but it, it took me five times. Thanks, Dan. I can't unsee that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Okay, well done, gentlemen. Really? A good, good, bad, ugly. We'll slide into Dan's quick fire. Take it away. Yes, glad to have a full deck in here tonight for quick fire. Let's start off quick with lookalike. Anyone in the Bob Fiction film that looks alike, again, a reminder, it doesn't have to be a lookalike with fat morgues, skinny morgues, shit morgues, long-haired morgues, big-nosed morgues, can be anyone. Uh, Whitey, any... Well, okay, so where do I start? Okay, you'd make a pretty handy lance. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, yes. and also because you have been Eric Stoltz before in Mask. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're going to keep that going. I, I yes. think I, I could probably stop there, but I think you could almost... Fat Morgs could have been Zed's brother, right? Oh, 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 so oh. you could have been... What's his name? Uh, the other guy that's... Oh, Maynard. 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 You could have been... Like, he struck me more as a Damien Chambers shout-out for Damo. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hope he's feeling better. Yeah, mate of ours from school we've seen recently. Lovely, lovely bloke. Yeah, I thought with a beard, could have been, could have been. Uh, yeah, well, I'm really trying to be a bit cruel there. Uh, no, I just, Lance, anyone else? Could any for lookalikes? Yeah, look, Morgs, if you had a hair straightener, you could go, not quite fat Morgs, but chubby Morgs as, uh, as Vincent. Like, with a bit of a hair straightener, with your long do. We have a similar skin tone as well. When he gets his shirt off. Oh, God, he's in fucking hell. Oh, he's ivory. He's like ivory. Yeah, he's blue. 
when he's wearing that gear, he does look like you on the land a little. Like that's your that's your get around to the chooks. <laughs> it looks like a couple of dorks. <laughs> Do you know, I laughed more at that this time because I was thinking Australians in fashion, it's not really our bag, baby. But that the the rest of the world must just look at us and go, Oh my god. Because running a t shirt and boardies everywhere is something I'm gonna day mate. Hundred percent over at what's caught at the moment with a uh, massive eye. Oh, who makes your shirt, mate? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Rather than overthinking, he's killing it. Well, he looks like a dog from Pulp Fiction. He's been to the factory outlets, there's no doubt. Oh, man, he's definitely <laughs> one of the tightest seas on the fucking planet, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, was there anyone actually that looked alike anyone else that you thought of? No, I think we're done here, mate. Our work here is done. Next one, wax on, wax off for a scene that has passed into popular culture. I would say there's Yeah, Yeah. Tell us one. Royale with cheese. Yeah, I've got that's my number one. Absolutely Royale with cheese. Correct Mundo. Correct Mundo. <laughs> Just get that big wearing green on. I got that as well. Oh. I think non-linear, the non-linear whole thing of the movie. Like the whole movie is pop culture. Hmm. Ezekiel yeah. 25, 17. Yeah. yeah. The path of the rights. That whole thing. Yep. Everybody, everybody knows that. that. What does it feel like? Just kidding. You're all, I'll accept everything. You're all correct. I'm actually going to change this moving forward to call this uh, this part of Quickfire Ezekiel 2570. Yes, well done. Yes. Uh, moving along. Philip stuck in pretty woman. Jason Alexander's character, who's a massive douchebag. I don't know. Everyone in here has got their problems, but they, uh, they're, they're, pre- they're pretty... I don't know. They, they, they have a streak. Oh, come on, mate. Zed and his brother, they don't have many redeeming qualities. No, this is true. We needed a bit. We need to see a few more scenes so, to actually find something to like about who, this guy. He's, he likes good motorcycles. Who's worse? Is it Zed or, or Buck who likes to fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. That's a good question. Oh, no, I think Buck's worse. Yeah. I think Buck's pretty... Yeah. I think he might be worse. He had, like, yeah, raping women uh, in in uh, comas. In that's pretty heavy. Yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah. bad. And he My dad, fuck. I think the gimp, the biggest oh. douche. Yeah, so, can someone can someone walk me through the purpose of a gimp? Yeah, they're they're all the gimp's a sub. So the gimp is uh, his whole goal in life is to be completely submissive. Yeah, right. And yeah. that's why he's there. So his his goal is he wants to please them sexually, but in a completely submissive nature. So that's that's. How do you get into the How do get into the leather suit? It's not easy. Well, he's there on his own accord. He's not. He's there. He's not unless it was some sort of Stockholm syndrome. He's there because he wants to be. Right. Okay. But, wow. but if he really wants to be there, do they have to lock him in a friggin'? Well, that's part well, of it. No, that, that's, that's part, part of, of his go. Right. That's what he enjoyed. A bit like Trough Boy. How's your shit? In, uh, <laughs> in the nineties. Who like to get thrashed on by everyone in Oxford Street? Yeah. This is uh, yeah, similar thing. He's just a submissive, and that's what that's what gets his rocks off. Is my take. Oh, no, I mean, I'm not I'm, an expert. I was going to say, I'm, I'm a bit worried, folks. I love how you threw in the, well, that's my take. <laughs> I think at the, at the, end, of, at the end of Daniel's, um, wow, on, the, on his business card, it says BA of GIMP. I <laughs> <laughs> do, yeah. I'm looking, it's, it's definitely a hobby of mine to look into it. But, yeah, I, I think that, uh, yeah, he's, the, the GIMP is unlikely to caught in the fly trap. He, uh, he yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I don't think there's many dicks. I had Fabian, but she's coming next. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'll accept them both. There we go. So yeah. uh, next up, the cast of Caddyshack for an actor or entire cast in in the uh, in, in case of Caddyshack who aren't quite sure what film they're in and tonally are completely off the planet compared to everyone else. We mentioned Old Mate QT uh, that strangles and I don't think he's that much chop in, uh, in in the acting stakes, but he's probably not the standout here. Whitey? It's, it's Fabian. Yep. It's, it's the, probably the easiest choice in any movie other than Caddyshack. Which is everyone. It's, it's how it's written on the page. So Quentin Tarantino, the other thing we know about him is that he is notorious for not allowing ad-libbing on his set. So the the most famous ad-lib yeah. for him is uh, I shot Marvin in the face. So the original line was, I just shot Marvin. And uh, it, John Travolta actually added it in the face for the for the comedic beat and crushed it. And Quentin allowed it. But usually he's like, no, no, no. Yeah. You read it as written on the page. So that's why I'll give Fabian a pass because she had to work Get it like strictly within what he was written. Gal, what do you reckon? This there's so many sort of offbeat characters and, and different parts of this movie. It's hard to say someone doesn't know their their role in this. I guess like it's any anybody with those. I don't think there's anybody to me that sticks out as going. Well, you're really out of it. No, I, just, I'm calm with you. I think Jimmy Strangles. Anyone else you noticed that you thought, fuck, mate, come on. No, I just wrote French girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> so I agree with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, she's definitely divisive, so I will accept it. Moving on, Olivia Newton-John, rest in peace, for a cartwheel at the pep rally in Greece, also starring John Travolta, for a particularly pathetic show of athletic prowess. Was there anything in Pulp Fiction that was also a bit mongoloid, Fabian? Uh, anything else you got to saw? <laughs> I don't think there's any uh, there's any sporting prowess in this movie at all. Oh, look, I mean, the dancing. I'd see Mia's dancing. Everyone's like, oh, that was pretty good. I don't know. She was pretty repetitive. She came back to her moves she's, pretty quick. She's she's standing opposite one of the greatest film dancers yeah, of the century. That's all right. Okay, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, yeah, not going to say that she's ONJ. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's difficult in this film. It doesn't really yeah. show off a lot of athletic prowess, strangely enough. So I, I um, think, um, though, um, shooting is an Olympic sport, and the guy who tried to shoot, Jules and um, Vincent missed. So I think oh, that was no. poor shooting. Yeah, yeah. Pretty mad with a hand cannon. Yeah. But you look like Jerry Seinfeld, that guy. <laughs> I'll accept that. Strangles, I think that's a great call. I think shooting is a sport. Michael Diamond will attest to that. <laughs> Certainly will. Our Olympic gold medalist. And uh, yeah, I will accept that. Definitely good call. Um, Robot Sentries. First up, Strangles, where do you sit on Aliens the movie? Go. Great movie. Yeah, love it. Oh, Absolutely love it. Excellent. Yep. We had the plumber lick outs in here the other day. I don't think you've seen it. I was a it's fucking letdown, William. <laughs> Will. Mate, I'm one of your biggest fans, and that wasn't, I would have edited that out just to save face for you. But in that, in the director's cut of that particular movie, they add some scenes. One of them is the robot sentries, which shows us what predicament those space marines are in because of the thousands of xenomorphs that are coming to get them on uh, on the base there. Did we need to know anything more about any of these characters? Obviously, Zed and the uh, and his mate. It would have been nice to see if they did have any redeeming qualities, but highly unlikely. Uh, anything else you guys wanted to know about anyone? No, not for me. I think the beauty is the unsaid. I think it's a cute mm. Quinn Tarantino does that a lot, that you just accept people for the face value and know that they're doing stuff for a reason. I think you don't, I don't want to know any more about Zed and Maynard and the gimp. I know they're fucked up. I just didn't I think you're right, Whitey. You like, we talked we talked about the wolf, that scene, like where there's no real rhyme or reason to why the people in the room. They could have just filmed him in the room mm. talking, but 
I think that's the, the beauty of Quentin Tarantino is he just like, yeah right we're going to have all this stuff here that just sort of plays with your mind a little bit yeah absolutely so no so Quentin the other thing he does he actually does so much background info on all of his characters so if he was here today he could actually tell us all we wanted to know about Zed and about why he does what he does and and I find that really interesting that he would one day hopefully release some of the the notes on all of his characterizations because it would be good to know a little bit more about these guys but uh, yeah in this case I think we're served up exactly what we need to know and I think that the characterizations for all of them are just amazing so we get a good sense of who everyone is so fuck no don't need to see robot sentries finally though why is Brad Pitt for the actor you'd most like to have a Ron Coot in the pussy wagon with <laughs> um Matthew uh you Simon even though Fabian likes Strangle. to kiss it, I'm going here with Herman. Yeah, I said the gimp, but no, I'm joking. Um, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think so. the, the Irish girl who keeps smoking the bong at the drug dealer's house is quite cute. Yeah. 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 yeah, quite a little cutie, I reckon. I reckon no. she'd love it. She'd stink. <laughs> she'd love it. She hasn't showered in about a week. She'd she'd love it. Terrible. She'd still love it. She doesn't have any she doesn't have any shit in her face, so she doesn't. That's Trudy. That's my wife. Jody. 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 She's Jody. my wife. What's her name? Trudy. Trudy. Trudy's the one on the on the couch with with no shit in her face. And the smelly woofer. <laughs> You're determined to get that into this episode. <laughs> Did you have smell a vision for you? I could tell. Oh God. I tell. She looks like she wore gals old trackies on the lounge <laughs> and they were chlorine stains I'll give you the tip <laughs> what, what about except Uma Thurman there I don't what about the male what about the cat oh Villa Esmeralda Lobos yeah actually very sexy yeah cool. oh, no, I'm still going over Columbia well no I'm just I'm throwing it up she's good she's yeah. a good call she's got to wear no shoes too just like Uma yeah. Thurman yeah because I'd like to kill a man <laughs> yeah I don't know I didn't know he was dead <laughs> Who are you going, Dad? Isn't there, he hasn't chucked in uh, a Floyd, a Brad Pitt line on the couch as a stoner a la true romance in this one. So, unfortunately for the ladies, there's not a lot of uh, eye candy on offer. So, no. I think we're going to go with Uma Thurman for that one. Good. Boys, that was quick fire. Well played, everybody. Let's move on. Well done, Daniel. Another cracker. Let's move into Gao's favourite part of the show. And I don't know how he's going to top uh, the Dutch angles and the different angles and camera angles. But <laughs> listen to this. G-Man, take it away. All right. What have we got here? Okay. Uma Thurman originally turned down the... Did we talk about this earlier? She turned down the role. I can't remember because we went through some of the sliding doors. So, mate, are you going to ask us what year the movie's yeah. in again? <laughs> I think you did mention she turned it down and then she, no, she quickly... No, I don't know the story. Quentin, Quentin Tarantino was so desperate to have her, he, made, he ended up reading the script to her over the phone and convinced her to take it. Jennifer Aniston was another one that narrowly missed out on the role. Yeah, I, I can't see that. No, 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 can't see that. I don't think she's much job. I thought she was good in Friends, but every, every, I can't <laughs> name one other thing that I've enjoyed her in Friends. Well, she's pretty good in Where the Millers. She's pretty good in um, in Horrible Bosses. She's pretty good in Just Go with it without leave, leave the oh, yeah. leave the world behind or whatever it is. The new Netflix movie yet? No, I haven't watched uh, it. No. What's it? Uh, it's, um, I, oh, there's a Friends. There's a Friends plot device in there. That's the other reason. Oh, oh right. But wondering where you go. Um, I don't know. I, t- I don't want to recommend it, but I don't not want to recommend it either because I've, I spent the first. I don't know. I don't know. I'd, 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 it was really, really interesting 
and therefore worth a look. I, I would like to hear your thoughts on it. So if you do it. Well, what I've seen so far is that Ethan Hawke and Julia Roberts are married and they've got one of the ugliest children I've ever seen, the daughter. She's not attractive. It's a bit, it's all, well, no, I think, I think the- uh, She got all the Ethan Hawke. Thrones will always be the, uh, the the one that they had to cast him and, and went to his agent and said, yeah, we, we need someone who looks like uh, he's the product of incest uh, yes. and we think we're going to go with it all right. That would have been a great discussion and <laughs> to come with him <laughs> as a 14-year-old kid. But um, yeah, I just, look, watch it. Please watch it or, or if it's out there, watch it and let me know what you think. Matt Big Geek, I reckon you, you'd be good for this. Have a, have a look and uh, let me know if you like. Have a look. Okay, G-Man, what else? All right. The word fuck is used 265 times. <laughs> That's a lot. Movie. That's I reckon lot. this podcast might get it, though. Yeah, it might get it. Fuck, <laughs> uh, <laughs> So in the script, the character of Paul the bartender was actually referred to as English Bob and even Jules referred to as English Bob. <clears throat> In the movie, know. but when he comes and says, "My name's Paul," and this is between you all, that stuck. So they call him Paul. I mean, it's Paul Calder on. Said the guys. it really yeah. white when you said that, girl. <laughs> My name's Paul, and it's in between you all. Why? Why is Paul? It's between you all. <laughs> Thanks, turtle. <laughs> ah, got nailed. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he listens to the show, but anyway, continue. Right, just, just two more. Quick the Ezekiel Bible quote was actually taken from an early draft of From Dust Till Dawn. Um, Harvey Keitel's character was supposed to say it when he was walking backwards down the hall facing the vampires. Yeah. Um, and the other one was that Quentin Tarantino offered John Travolta the choice of From Dust Till Dawn or this. Yeah, that's interesting. Massive sliding door because he this revived his career. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not sure that From Dust Till Dawn does that for him. Yep, absolutely. Is that, is that counted in the Tarantino canon? No, because it's Robert, it's Robert Rodriguez. Right. Uh, Tarantino yeah, wrote, they helped to write the script, though. Yeah. Right. He wrote the he wrote, very, he wrote, very good movie. Oh, it's a great movie. He wrote the scene oh, where oh, Salma Hayek. Oh, I watched it in the last couple of months, and it's not. Yeah, it was on. I saw part of the other. I didn't watch the whole thing, only, only from the bar scene. There's some funny bits. Yeah. Cheech Marin is excellent in it, and obviously. Uh, Selma Hayek is excellent in it, but mm, yeah, not much job. What do you What do you think of that, Strangles? Are you a yeah, they might. Crystal Dawn guy. Yeah, they might. I love the, the the first scene. You know, the toes sucking and the the absolute. Couldn't Terry Gunning that? Yeah, of course he did. Yeah. And then the tw- I didn't see the twist, yeah. so it was great. So yeah, I enjoyed it, and then I loved the okay. blowing up vampires. Yeah. yeah, but I haven't seen it for I'll, ages. I'll shut, I'll shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, Dan, are you got anything for listening to this? Yeah, just that the music is obviously so iconic, but there were a few artists that offered him back. So if you think about Picture Butch, when he actually is about to get out of the pawn shop and then he thinks, no, I can't do that. I've got to save Marcellus. And he goes back. And th- that scene, actually, the, um, the music director, and Quentin Tarantino wanted to use the knack, my Sharona, in there, which I think would have worked incredibly. But at the same time, the knack were offered reality bites that were known to write a bit. And uh, so it came down to both of those. And the the, the knack basically declined, passed on uh, on Pulp Fiction. And the reason was one offer was for this hip, cool, young comedy starring Winona Ryder. The other was for the mano a mano rape scene in Pop Fiction. It's <laughs> <laughs> a tough choice. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, I mean, look, they, they would probably think back on that and uh, it's uh, Reality Bites is, while it's revered, it certainly is an iconic as this and think that maybe they made a, a mistake. But also, uh, Fabian was meant to wear a Frankie Says Relax t-shirt on when she was in the bed. 
So that was all when she was lying around and uh, asking for oral pleasure. Mm. But the uh, the singer in Frankie Goes to Hollywood was a bit of a wowser and said that the connotation is too negative. I read the overdose, panic and foul language. So, yeah, I've, I've just lost all respect for... And the Relax, fact- don't do it. And the fact that it was... Uh, <laughs> when you want to suck at you, it. <laughs> and, 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 and the fact that it was a uh, hetero... When you want to come. Sexy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you want to come. <laughs> Stream goals? Anything for listeners? Yeah, Yeah, talking of Robert Rodriguez, he actually directed when Quentin Tarantino was at Jimmy. When he was Jimmy. When he was Jimmy, yeah. yeah so yeah. He's that right? Yeah, there you go. There you go. And um, I don't know if you heard, um, so after they, da- so when they came back from the dancing, they were holding the trophy. Yeah. And you think they won? Well, in the background of one of the scenes with Bruce Willis in it, it actually said that they didn't win. Someone else won the trophy, so they reckon they stole, they the, stole trophy. the trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is pretty cool. <laughs> that, that, that's good. Yeah. I like that. Is that it? Yeah, mate. Shit, look at you. And you had a list of 50 goods. You had two <laughs> fucking listeners to this. <laughs> uh, so the uh, Jules was originally written with a massive afro. He was going to have a massive afro. And there were heaps of different wigs. And when he tried on the Jerry, call, Jerry Curl, uh, Samuel Jackson and Quinn Turner, like, that's the one. That's the one. And it is fucking yeah, amazing I, that I week. I think it would have taken us out of the scene if he had a stupid For sure. For ridiculous, sure. Ridiculous. So. so the bad motherfucker wallet is actually Quentin Tarantino's wallet. He owns it. <laughs> and it's actually a reference to the theme song of Shaft. So, you know, he's a bad motherfucker. Oh, so very good. Uh, the well, You talk about there's no ad lib, but the Jules flipping the table over... When he's about to shoot, when he gets stroppy at Frank Whaley, when he gets stroppy at Brad, that was ad-libbed. And uh, Quinn Tarantino allowed it to stay because it was actually very good worked into the scene. Because he jumped, right? Yeah, shit himself. So I mentioned earlier, but this movie and The Shawshank Redemption, both in 94, opened on the same day, October 14, 94. Wow. They were both nominated for seven Academy Awards with this movie winning one Oscar for it. But but both movies are in the top 10 movies in IMDb's 250 wow. movies wow. with one Oscar between them. So, you know, it's Forrest gone. History history uh, is looks on these mo- on this movie well. Um, Quentin Tarantino is a is a collector of vintage television board games. <laughs> right? So during the making of this movie, him and John Travolta sat on the floor and played Welcome Back, Cotter, the board game that Quentin Tarantino owned. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> back. <laughs> the dream. Okay, this is an interesting yeah. one. Courtney Love claimed Quentin Tarantino originally wanted Kurt Cobain and her to play Lance and Jody. Yeah, he he... Quentin Tarantino denies. Yeah, he denies that. He'd never ever met Kurt. She, she could do it. I don't think he could. No, he, he could have done she, it. Courtney, Courtney Love's a good actress. She's good, doll. Yeah, she's yeah. good. She's a blatant liar. That's okay. it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Full of caca. She does. Uh, do you guys listen to sixty songs that? That describe the 90s, the, the podcast. Yeah, I have listened I to it before. Listen to other, but yeah. So he, he listen to the one where he chats to Courtney Love. She's unhinged, but oh, yeah. amazing. So yeah. definitely worth a, worth a listen. Well, yeah. Kurt Cobain had to hide in his cupboard so she wouldn't steal any of his riffs. Yes, <laughs> 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 yeah. All weren't well that. So Paul Dempsey, the uh, from something the Kate, oh, she wants awesome. him to be his guitarist. Oh wow! In, uh, in Hole, and he was like, nah, "You can fuck off." Oh, know? he's so, he's a gun, yeah. Paul Dempsey. He's amazing, absolute gun. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well done, gentlemen. Yeah, that yeah. is uh, one of your favourites, Gail. Yeah, yeah, the Paul Dempsey. 
Let's d- demos. <laughs> Let's do what a legend. Let's do one degree of Kurt Russell in here. Has anyone got anything for that? No. Okay. There's heaps. Yeah, I know. Go. There's a thousand of them. Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. In the Hateful Eight. Tim Roth yep. in the Hateful Eight. Tim Roth in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Quentin Tarantino in Death Proof. Yep. John Travolta. <laughs> John Travolta is touted to be in the new one, the movie critic with John Tra- uh, with oh, Okay. Russell. Okay. Touted to be in Quentin Tarantino's last movie. Okay. Mm. Anyone else? There's more. I think we covered it. Ving Rhames, Guardians 2. Yep. And yep. Steve Buscemi oh, is in instead. Steve. <laughs> uh, how could I have forgotten that one? Steve Buscemi <laughs> is in Escape from LA. He plays oh, Maps yeah. to the Stars, Eddie. Oh, yep, that's right. Good one. How good. Yeah. Anyway. Well done, gentlemen. Uh, quotables. Now... This can either be very, very long or very, very short because essentially from minute one to minute uh, two hour and 36, every line in this movie is quotable. Let me flip it just quickly. Was there anything in your revisiting that you didn't remember, a line or a scene or anything that took you out for a moment? Like, oh, I can't remember that bit. No, you know what? I I was... No, I'm the same. I knew everything that was coming up. Yeah, I'm the same. There's been a couple movies where I've been caught and found things the first time around, just in the last few months. This one, no, nothing. You know know what's got to put me... Sorry, this was one of the this was one of the four VHS cassettes at my house for sure. So obviously watched it a lot. Absolutely. Do you know what's got me though? I when I rewatched it was when they at the the starting scene, the big Kahuna scene, and they shoot Brad, and then it cuts away, and I thought I was watching a wrong version because they didn't see the guy charging out of the bathroom to with the hand cannon, and I was like, yeah, well they've yeah, cut it out. Yeah. I actually changed because it was on. I was watching it on stand or something. I was like, yeah, ah, this is this must be an edited version, and then I realised. That it wasn't that that bit comes later. Comes later in the, later in the movie. movie, yeah. I had I hadn't remembered that. Yep. I think the some of the wolves ones like, you know, pretty please with sugar on top. Clean the fucking car. <laughs> Clean the fucking yeah. car. I forgot that one. That was that was a great one. Yeah. Jimmy, well, I can't believe this is the same car. Well, let's not start sucking each other's dicks quite yet. <laughs> Good. That that I oh. think out of a, out of a movie I laughed out loud. Out, out of a movie with fifty quotes. Yeah. That could be my favourite. That could be my favourite. You know, again, uh, in in the car, well, I'm a mushroom cloud lair, motherfucker, motherfucker. Every time my finger touches brain, I'm super fight TNT. I'm the guns of the Navarone. In fact, what the fuck am I doing in the back? You're the motherfucker who should be on brain detail. We're fucking switching. I'm washing the windows. You're picking up this skull. (laughs) Super fly TNT. Oh, yeah. sorry. Did I break your concentration? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Does anyone remember the video Easy had, where they where they had the Chinese go? I am sorry. Did I break your concentration? <laughs> when they were doing snippets of the movies, <laughs> it's oh, Megan and I. Megan, I've looked for it. I have looked for it. I cannot find it. It is the greatest video Easy ad of all time. I am sorry. Did I break your concentration? Oh, wow. So bad. Jimmy? Oh. Um, yep, yeah, I got, um, which pretty much makes me a vegetarian. Oh. Because that gets us Oh, all my the God. Time. That pretty much makes me a vegetarian, we say all the time. I don't think Buddy Holly is much of a waiter. Yes. <laughs> and the other one was, I'm the foot fucking master. Oh I got my, my technique God. down and everything. I don't be tickling or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of the other iconic ones, Zed's dead, baby. Yeah, oh, yeah. Zed's dead. dead. It's a chopper. That's so good. 
Whose chopper is it? What about <laughs> bacon tastes good? Oh, my Pork chops taste good. But that whole thing. Oh. How about a dog? Dog eats his own feces. I don't eat dog either. <laughs> yeah, but do you consider a dog to be a filthy animal? I wouldn't so go so far as to call a dog filthy, but they're definitely dirty. But dogs got personality. Personality goes a long way. <laughs> that whole thing. Yeah. Oh, so that, by that rationale, if a pig had a better personality, he would cease to be a filthy animal. Is that true? Well, he'd have to be a talking about one charming motherfucker pig. <laughs> and that's just the genius in the writing. Oh, fuck it. But, but also, this one, which is very subtle, after Butch saves Marcellus. Butch, you okay? Nah, man. I'm pretty fucking far from okay. Oh, so good. <laughs> Yeah, mate, there's a oh, 12, million, yeah. 12 million quads. I think we've hit a couple of the good ones. And, of course, how could we forget the Captain Coons monologue about the, the watch up his ass? But we've said that about 17 times tonight. Well, done, gentlemen, uh, now, look, it's the time we've all been waiting for. Uh, it's either time to go take a quick piss or to settle in for what I think might be Morgz's best ever film school for F-Wits. Take it away, mate. Yes, fellow F-wits and lookouts, thank you for tuning in. Look, I could have gone many ways with this because there is a lot to wank over in this particular film. And uh, looking back on it with a, uh, a technical eye, with my erudite vision, uh, I could have gone uh, several, several ways. But look, I thought that what's really interesting about the film and what, what I keep coming back to is the non-linear style of filmmaking so all of the scenes are jumbled up and and vincent dies halfway through and then he's alive again and it's uh basically that it's not told in chronological order not not told in a, in a linear fashion so i just wanted to pose a question to everyone here on the panel would pulp fiction have worked just as well if it was told in a linear fashion so before you answer let's look at how that would have played out so if we look at all of the major scenes what what would it have started with? So forget. I mean, obviously, the, the earliest would have been Butch and um, and uh, uh, the, the the gold watch, the, the monologue. But let's let, let's remove that. So I guess then the start of the film would be Vincent and Jules in the car on the way to see Brad. Would that be a fair statement? Because it wouldn't wouldn't be wouldn't be uh, Honey Bunny. And, uh, and no, I think I think the start I think, I think the start of the film is the start of the film, right? No, no, because they walk in already in their gear in their yeah, door they're already gear. yeah they're already in their volleyball gear when that when they they're get dogs. So they've already gone through the killing Marvin. This yeah. is what yeah, it's really interesting. So isn't the first oh, got, first scene is Honey Bunny? Is Honey Bunny right? Yeah, right. that's right. Yeah. But then the the next time we see Jules and and uh, Vincent, they're in the car going to Grads. So let me have a crack at it. Is that the start of the film? You can. Yeah, Let go for it. Call me up on it yeah. if, if you disagree. So yeah. I'm going to say the start of the film, taking away the gold watch, is Jules and Vincent on the way to see Brad, okay? So that 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 is the true beginning of the film in a more linear fashion. So they go up, they go upstairs, they go yep. in, they do the business, they um, they, they have uh, the, the shootout, yep. the hand cannon goes off. They take Marvin. They've got, Mar they've got yeah. Marvin with them, okay? So then they go, they're traveling along with Marvin and then obviously Marvin gets shot in the face and then they have the whole scene with Jimmy and the wolf and then they go off to Big Joe's and Raquel and then the uh, and, and then Winston offers them a cab and says, I see your future. Uh, sorry, offers them a ride and says, I see your future. And then they go off <laughs> to the diner and yep. then that is where 
the uh, they, it's it converges with them and uh, and Honey Bunny. Honey Bunny, yep. yeah. Yeah, so that, then that whole scene happens, and then Jules is over it, right? He's uh, he's I'm I'm done. I'm I'm out of this. But then he's they're actually in their volleyball gear when they walk into the bar where my name's Paul, and this is between you all. So that that must happen directly after they give um, that uh, he gives his fifteen hundred bucks to Tim Roth. Yep, and then they walk out of that. Now again, this is my takes, but pull me up if you think that I'm missing anything. Uh, so anyway, they go into the bar, and then it's Butch is uh, overhearing yep. what's happening with uh, yep, that's the Palooka scene. Celis, I think yeah, you heard me, Punchy. Punchy comes up. He he takes the piss out of Punchy. He gets his cigarettes from my name's Paul, and then this is where he gets it gets the red out. Then I think it must be him going to get his gear from uh, Eric Stoltz. So I think, this is my take, he goes, this is where I can only slot this bit in. He goes in and he's because he's going to take Mia out that night is my take. So he has to obviously have the gear before he sees Mia. So then he goes again in a linear fashion, goes goes to see Lance, gets his 500 or a few $500 bags of uh, the hammer and then goes up there we see the injection scene and we see him in his malibu on his way to pick up mia for their date at jack rabbit slims still with me yep yep okay so they, they do the thing at jack rabbit slims obviously all hell breaks loose when they get at home she overdoses they go back to lance's um that'll happen get stabbed in the chest the adrenaline scene which doesn't work by the way a complete fallacy but very entertaining um so that's it that night ends so what have we got left after that then then i think it's butcher's butcher's fight is the next night so it's butcher's fine yeah he jumps out of the yeah out of the thing it's then the scene where john travolta is coming to meet uh marcellus at the boxing to and then he actually says to Mia, "Are you okay?" She goes, "Yeah, I'm okay." And then they have that little so, and then he has the fight, and then I think Vincent from there goes to Butcher's place, Butcher's house, Butcher's, Butcher's and, and yeah. then and then from and then from there, it's the Butcher's at home with Fabian. He licks her on the box. She sucks his dick. They have a shower. He's a mongoloid. She falls asleep. He then goes back to his apartment where Vincent is. The next yep. day, yep. and then and then it's that, yep. and then he gets Vincent gets shot. Then it's he has the crash. He runs into Marcellus. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. That's the end of the movie. Yep. That's so it. that's in the movie. Exactly. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. That's, that's exactly my take on it, boys. Would you agree with that? Hundred yes. percent. Yeah. Yep. 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 So I would love to see that fucking movie. I think that movie would be incredible. Yes. Yeah, I think that movie still has the exact same script. I still love the characters. Sure, it's not as uh, you, you don't have the oh wow moments. Well, how is John Travolta dead? No, why is he back? Which is awesome and a, and a brilliant plot device. But I would argue that's still a bloody great movie and entertaining and groundbreaking for that. What? To, yeah. Anyway, I, I posit. That I would love this movie just as much. I, I think, yeah, I think you would still love the movie because it's a great movie. It's well acted and well directed and a great storyline. I do like the non-linear though because it makes you think through the whole thing oh, and you kind of got to figure out what's going on. It isn't a, yeah. a great use of, of that. And then, and, you know, Robert Altman uses a similar structure in, in some of his films and it's definitely not unique to Tarantino. No. But I, I would just say that I would, yeah, I would. Uh, I can understand some people saying, I can't I can't understand this movie be, you know, because I can't I can't figure it out because it's not in line. But I think that's the beauty of it too because you're kind of bouncing around, okay, now we're here, now we're back here. 
and then try to figure out yeah. so I, I really I really enjoy that kind of that kind of um, and then when you watch it the strategy time 20 times stoned it's even better <laughs> <laughs> you really got to think about what the hell's going on absolutely <laughs> absolutely no look I think I think it's good either way I, the, actually it rewrote the it rewrote the script literally about non-linear I think Whilst it would be a great movie from front to back, it's flawless the way that it is, really. All right, well, you've all missed the fucking point. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. No, 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 I agree. I, I would love to watch that movie. I, I absolutely would. I agree with you, Daniel. Yeah. All right. Well, I, look, I couldn't agree with me more on this one. You're such a so fuckwit. I think an absolute fuckwit. If it's, um, I don't know if it exists. I know that uh, Steven Soderbergh is very fond of, of re-editing films to uh, to to make them more to his liking. I'm not sure that this is in his canon, but if you're out there, Stephen, uh, I haven't seen you for a while, mate. Hope all's well. So I don't miss those. Uh, if you want to cut this up and let, let's see how it is, I'd be happy to watch it for you. So if wits, there you go. Feels cool for if wits this week. Pop fiction, well played, me. Well done, Daniel. Another cracker. Uh, look, we, we're sliding into uh, Kick-Ass Credit Song. Now, a, a little message was thrown out uh, tonight about whose Kick-Ass Credit Song is it. We'd love to hear some uh, feedback from the from the fans about whose time uh, tonight we thought it was. But anyway, it's mine. And uh, I, I very quickly penned something sitting at a, at, a, at, a, at a table on a deck overlooking a Christmas tree. Uh, with uh, with my with my mate uh, Adam Strang, and and I've I've put something together very quickly because I know that the the, the public are yearning for it. It may not be my best, but I'm going to give it a crack. And I, we couldn't have a guest in the panic room without doing a, a kick-ass credit song for him live. So anyway, it's my go. It's called uh, Push the Needle Down. Okay, and it's probably going to sound very similar to most other kick-ass credit songs that I I sing. But I'm going to try and change it up. I'm going to try and change it up. Jules and Vincent are a hell of a team. Clearing for Marcellus and they keep it pretty clean. Eat a tasty burger for an act of God. Sue McLean and Jimmy's brain in the back of a fod. Push the needle down three steps to the ground. A room full of fear. It's life and death for Mia. Five dollar shake, that's a bit of a joke. A bloody steak for Vincent, do you think they will poke? <laughs> Jules is going to walk the earth a cane from Kung Fu. He's a bad motherfucker in a quandary or two. Push the needle down three Three steps of the ground, a room full of fear. It's life and death for Mia. <laughs> nice work. I love it. That was written in five minutes. For a, for a, a true five-minute song. That was a five-minute song. Yeah. That's so good. Adam, watch me the creative process. Yeah. yeah. Two chords. Yeah. The creative process. That's it. <laughs> Two chords. I'm, I'm saying... A quandary is an underutilized lyric. That's in, it. Uh, in, in Western music. That's it. Well done. That's it. Quandary is uh, in a quandary or two, actually. So uh, anyway. <laughs> Not just one. No, he's in, he's in a quandary or two. Multiple quandary. <laughs> well, there's nothing worse than a multiple quandary. Uh, all right, now. <laughs> is that... Is there a, a plural for quandary? Yeah, quandries. Yeah. Uh, quandry. Quandry. It's a quandry. A quandry. It's, it's a quandry. Uh, okay, yeah. star of the show, and we will start with the guest. Adam, who you got for star of the show? I really struggle with this because there's so many. Um, the obvious one's obviously Quentin Tarantino, and being my favourite film, that could have been easy. But I just loved Samuel L. Jackson, his role, how he played it, his monologues. 
just the way he would dance between his his speeches and and dialogue with John Travolta. So for me, it's and, and for me as well, this is his breakout role. So Samuel L. Jackson for me. Good call. Very good call, Daniel. A close second for me, for sure, Samuel. But I I can't go past Quentin. I think that he just followed up on his uh, his original Reservoir Dogs. For Bill and and just hit it out of the park with a, a screenplay that is still groundbreaking today and is still copied more than any screenplay amongst young uh, filmmakers. It could be argued, certainly in that crime genre. Um, yeah, Quentin, it's uh, it's all yours from me, baby. And G Man, yeah, Quentin for me. He's uh, look the whole thing. Oh, I really love the dialogue between the characters. I think it's so well written. But that then again comes back to Quentin. So just remember watching this and thinking what a fantastic movie and and so well done so yeah quentin for me okay uh you're out on your own here strangles uh i'm gonna go with quentin tarantino with samuel jackson a very close second he he changed the world just like that thank you quentin you are the man old fiction was an amazing rewatch uh it's a movie that is timeless it's obviously very fond uh, for all of us here, and it's we're going to get to that point of the uh, of the show where we 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 put our balls on the line with the rank bank. <laughs> Got a few options here for us. Let me know what you think. Royals with cheese, bad motherfuckers, <laughs> annoying pot-bellied girlfriends, <laughs> choppers. Red ball gags, acts of God, honey bunnies, $5 shakes, foot massages, punctual hitmen, (laughs) chest piercing needles. Now, the fact that I have got triple the amount of options <laughs> than any other movie we have ever done, uh, it was just a, a testament to the film. Uh, what are we thinking? Uh, can I step in here? Royale with cheese, I think, for me. Okay, so that's a good one. It's, it's good iconic. One. I'll accept yeah. that. Yeah. G-Man? Let's run with Royale Okay. With I'm Very dis- iconic. I think Red Ball Gags. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I laughed myself writing that one down. But anyway, it's Royale. <laughs> there a, I mean, are all ball gags red? I think they may be. Well, I mean, they can't. They need that. So you think it's just ball gags? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that your take, Morgs? So, yeah. so this is just that's what I Yes. This is uh, he, he's also a BA of Gimp and Ball Gags. <laughs> so submission instead of oh, no. your you one day. Your your new porn search history. Okay, oh, so yeah. let's let's look at uh, what we're going to get in. We'll start with you up on the land, Daniel. How many Royals with cheese are you giving Pulp Fiction? Look, I can only give it five. If I could give it more, I would. But it's it's a five every day of the week. This is, without doubt, one of the better films that we have had the pleasure of chatting about and dropping calls on Gao about for the last couple of hours. So yeah, it's a, it's a massive five for me. Uh, when when Strangles uh, adulated prematurely at the start, I thought this could actually be the quickest podcast that we've ever done. <laughs> it was twenty nine to five. I'm going to see you later. It's not, yeah, five from me. Okay. Uh, strangles. Can I give it 10? <laughs> you can, but I'll, you can give it 10, but I'll probably only put five in there, right? Uh, five. It's, it is, it is my favorite movie ever. And it's one I'll watch every year. And 
uh, just brilliant. I, I can't. I, I, I'm lost for words now. It's just that good. I love it. G-Man. Yeah, geez, it's a good movie, isn't it? It's hard to, it's hard to disagree with you guys. Um, <laughs> this is interesting, Gal. You know what the scores are, so this this hinges on you. No, I don't know what the scores okay, are. Okay, let's what, do what, what, what scores are you talking tell me, about? Tell me, tell me what you're going to... What are you going to give Pulp Fiction here? Is it a five? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's a five. Five technology, man. <laughs> okay, it's a five. It's it is it is a it's a it's a perfect piece of cinema, and it is it's going to be one of the very rare fives that we have. G man, where's that going to put Pulp Fiction? <laughs> well, I, I can't see it being anywhere with the top. Yeah, just quietly. <laughs> but who's it with? Tell you what, it's up there with Star Wars at five power converters, and of course, Goodfellas at five shine boxes. Just above four point eight six chest bursters for Alien, and just above LA Confidential as well. Yeah, and. Rounding out that top that top sixteen marks is Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship. Oh, I mean, look, I, as far as all the movies I've had to piss out of, of you guys loving, I don't mind Lord of the Rings. I will never watch it again. <laughs> the one, and, the one and done that I did. They're just too long and too shit, but not shit. Like they're fine. Um, but yeah, nothing like the Marvel things. I don't mind Peter Jackson. I think Peter Jackson's amazing. Um, I might have another bit. Well done. Well done, gentlemen. Uh, it, we don't give away our fives lightly here on Born to Watch. So a perfect film and in very, very good company. And to be honest, Alien, it's probably been stiffed at 4.86. It could be a five as well. But that's just the way it rolls here. If you loved Pulp Fiction, what are you going to love? Do we just say any other Quentin Tarantino movie? <laughs> yeah. Is that where we land here? With it? It's it's hard to find like there's some films that I really like like Drive, which yeah, uh, not yeah, you know, tonally not similar. There's no real bright spot in in Drive, but I like watching it. They'll go back to watch it, but it, yeah, it's hard. They're, they're so unique, yeah, Quentin's movies that it's uh, if if you want that experience, it's hard to go out of either ones that he's written or one that he's written and directed for sure. Yeah, I agree because you, you can look at you can look non-linear movies but it's really hard to get out of the whole type that he does and, yeah. and when you think of anything that's similar to this you're thinking of something that's Quentin Tarantino. Absolutely. You happy with that? Reservoir Dogs, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That's what I had written down. True, true, man. Yeah. It's probably one I would say yeah. if you're new to his uh, his universe and that was one he wrote but Tony Scott the Great Tony Scott directed um, that is definitely uh, a similar style and, and great movie gentlemen well done it's been an absolute pleasure spending this evening with you talking about Pulp Fiction uh, this is our last show for 2024 we're our last original show we shall be re-releasing our Love Actually episode next week which will just take us after Christmas as we have a little week off and then we'll hit the new degree running. Keep on in touch with the socials to find out what's going to come up next. We're probably going to do a couple newer movie reviews. Might hit Wonka with uh, with Damo. And I know the purple's been hassling me to do something. So maybe we can do Wonka. I know that we're we're looking forward to having a little bit of a downtime. Strangles, thanks for joining us. 
Thank you so much for having me. I had an absolute ball. You had a lot of fun. Great to oh. have you on here, mate. Thank you. <laughs> Added a lot, mate. Well done. Thank you. For, for a first crack at, uh, at Bourne to watch. Well played. Daniel, uh, looking forward to seeing you after Christmas. Yes, boys. What a great year. Uh, I think we'd all agree I'd, I'd probably been the standout again in this uh, calendar year. Strangles, though, I see a big future for him. And also uh, Plumber Lickouts. I think we'd, we've unearthed quite a bit of talent of late. And uh, I think that uh, we're, in, we're in very safe hands if I just can't be fucked anymore. And uh, these guys could step up for sure. <laughs> we love your commitment to the show, Daniel. It fills me with absolute love and admiration when I hear you talk about you know, my creative vision like that. And uh, I'm glad you can be a part, which is looking like moving forward maybe every three or four weeks. Uh, Morlocks, Morlocks, in your time off, in your time off, get the golf course ready. Yes. I, I want to see him in pristine shall, yeah. condition. The land will be in great nick. We'll see you there. From all of us at Born to Watch, have a very happy and safe Christmas with your loved ones and family, and we shall see you in 2024. Bye for now. See ya. Rock on. Thank you for listening to this episode of Born to Watch. To join us on our journey into some of our favourite movies of all time, you can find us on all good podcast networks like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star review and share with your friends.